Everybody, to another episode of the Key Items Podcast, your local Southern Fried Podcast right here in Georgia. I am trying to contain a burp that won't come out. Um, I should have let it. I should have let it happen before I hit the record, but it happened as I was hitting it, and now I feel funky. Um, anyway, welcome everybody to possibly. Your bonus episode for the week? I have audio issues among my other many mental issues. Um, that has been like making it hard for me to edit stuff for the podcast. Um, so needless to say, the Final Fantasy episode was recorded in the month it was supposed to be recorded in and it did not get, well, no. Did I send that one out? Oh my god, I don't even remember anymore. No, because we did that one last, last week. week. So yeah, no, I have yeah. not sent that one out. Um, um, so I apologize, everybody. It's been a really weird week. I was, as people who will hear the Final Fantasy episode will know, I was doing some um, pet sitting, and because of that, it threw off my week. It threw off my schedule. Like it threw everything off um, for me, and. Um, yeah, it was, it was just funky. So, I'm hoping to have both episodes edited and put out um, at least by mid-next week. I'm really hoping for that. And so, yeah. But, welcome everybody. Um, I'm your host, James, for your Geek and Unique and Chic podcast. And I am always joined by my fellow compatriots in crime, Dustin and Arnold. Say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Hello, everyone. We have a fun episode today, actually. Um, this topic was brought up by Dustin, me and him were having a casual conversation. I was like, you know, that'd be a fun thing to talk about. Something I can bitch about. Um, and I do love bitching. Um, and it'll be a fun topic, actually, um, that we'll get <laughs> into. Bless you. Um, Thank bless you. you. And I didn't even know that came from, I thought that came from Arnold. Because Dustin spoke so quickly afterwards. <laughs> um, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So I don't, I don't, let, you know, there's, I, I just want to casually talk today. So I'm just going to go to the news so that we can do it in that setting. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and pop on over to our next issues. Next issues is everyone knows is part of the podcast that we talk about what's been up in the nerd media today um, and stuff like that. Um, two things I wanted to clarify. I just thought about this. Mm-hmm. Um, just for clarification for people listening, the things that I'm having audio issues with on my computer are the transitions. So um, if you've been listening to this for a while, you will notice that after a few of our early episodes, there are transitions um, that go through all the things. And I have gotten an edit down that I just don't want to go back through. Um, it took me a while to get it done. And um, so, yeah, just got to get those files over from my old computer. 
Um, and secondly, this is more of a personal thing. I think I've said this already on the podcast, but I always like to just make sure I cover my P's and Q's. Um, and I want to, this is for my personal thing, whatever Arnold or Dustin may have said or said against something and they may have changed their mind or something like that. That's up to them and they're derogative. This is for me. Um, but for me, like I said, derogative. uh, but for me, um, your derogative prerogative. My derogative okay. prerogative, yeah. <laughs> I was like, derogative, where did that come from, James? Um, but what I wanted to say is that if I have ever said anything in the past that was like shot off the hip from my own ignorance or stupidity, um, most of the things I want to apologize if I ever have, this has not been brought up to me by anybody. I just want everyone to know this. This is its own. I do a lot of self-reflection um, and... I will be quick to tell someone that they say something stupid, but I'm even quicker to tell myself that I said something stupid. And I'm not picking at any one particular thing, but if I have ever said something that I like put my foot in my mouth, I want to just personally say I have probably already gone through the self-reflection on that. And I just want to be more open to my audience because while I make mistakes and I will apologize for them, humans do that. I do not believe in witch hunting people for making like a mistake or something like that, myself included. But I do like to make accountability. And yes. um, and that's something I address in this podcast and I address other ways. Um, and I think I do a pretty good job overall. But just in case, you know, I know for me, the information, I'll use one as an example. I know for me, like information on COVID early on was mercurial and ever-changing and not clear. And I personally did not think of it as bad as it came to be. I wasn't like one of those people that was like, whatever. But I wasn't also one of those people that was like, batter down the hatches. I've, I've never been one of those people that's like, batter down the hatches. But um, I'm definitely a proponent of all the safety measures and vaccination and wearing your mask and being clean and da 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 da. Um, but yeah, I just want to address that. I, I, I definitely know I'm not one of the worst people on the planet when it came to it early on. I wasn't even in the top million, <laughs> you know, but I still want to address just, you know, downplaying something, you know, um, regardless. Regardless of my extremes about it, my not extremes about it, um, even to this day, even though I'm much more of a proponent of the safety measures, I'm not someone who um, approves of over um, over safety of anything because that creates just as much of a um, dangerous effect as the opposite. So, yeah, I just want to make that clear. Um, listeners are probably like, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but this is more of a personal thing. I, I like transparency. I don't like hiding behind shit or trying to come off to my audience as something better than them or greater than. But anyway, let's shit on other people. Arnold, tell us news. I have absolutely no news for this. What? <laughs> During a few games drop, I actually don't even know. So let's not even talk about them. Well, now that you brought it up, now I'm curious. Did any games drop? Like, I don't... I can't Um, think of one that matters to me. Dustin, do you know one? uh, They delayed uh, King of Fighters 15 because of COVID. Yep, not Uh, not something I care about. (laughs) Yeah, it got delayed from, like, the end of this year to, like, next year. Oh, like, okay, like, COVID delays are happening. I, I will say this. 
I recently this morning saw a lot of new indie games I'm interested in that mm-hmm. are being developed, but there's nothing for me to chat about, I guess, because I don't even know if I really like them all. There was one I was really I like put it on my my um, Steam wish list. Um, once again, everybody, my birthday is in September. Um, but like, um, keep an eye on that wish. Let me see. Buy it, buy it during the Steam Summer Sale. And yeah, you bought it during the Steam Summer Sale. And wait until his birthday. To to there's a there's a couple of games like um, okay, so I'm looking at it now. Um, um, Akatori is a video game that it seems like just a platformer, a little action 2D platformer. Um, done in pixelated art. I really like it. It oh god, I just looked at it. It's a Metroidvania. Um, but like I like the the artwork. I like the character. She has a bow staff. Um, and it just looks fun. It looks charming. I like games like that, even if they are Metroidvanias. Um, there is Batora Last Haven. I it looks like an action RPG top down um, hack and slash game. I really like how this game looks. It has, I'm going to assume either based off of her, um, um, her, the color and hue of her skin and her hair, that she is either of Middle Eastern or, um, South American, Central American descent. Um, I'm hoping for either because <laughs> we have a, a cool minority character but then there's also seems to be like a, a black female character in it too that's like a friend or possibly a um a a girlfriend of sorts and i'm not sure their relationship i didn't want anything spoiled i just saw someone playing it but i was really interested in the character's art and it looks good. She controls apparently the sun and the the moon spirit powers and half of the earth got exploded because people are horrible. You know that old cliche. Um, it looked interesting. I don't know when it's coming out, but it has me like interested. But aside from that, there's nothing of substantialness that I can think of. Um, there's going to be a Nintendo Direct soon. Everyone is basically confirming that there's a Nintendo Switch Pro, even though Nintendo hasn't said anything, but everyone's like, it's happening. Um, they might not even talk about it at the thing. Right. You know, Nintendo be like, oh, what? Subverted expectations. That's in our contracts. Nintendo has basically guaranteed that this, this Direct is going to be um, primarily games are if not all games so there may be no hardware talk which i'm down for i think i don't know what's up with gamers right now in this the need for hardware as opposed to software um you would think gamers like we would care more about the software right like you would think that would be our priority because the software is what we what we want (laughs) The the peripherals, the like the the the, vid- the video cards and the screens and the controllers, they're a they're a medium for us to play these games, you know. But I would think you would care more about the games more. I could be wrong. I don't know. People are strange that way sometimes. They're just like, yeah. hey, you know what? I really really want the nice new shiny system that really doesn't do me much more good than the last one. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like because people were like people have literally scalped 
several thousand PS5s across the world and there's no software for these systems that people want to play. Like, is there a killer app on the PS5? Demon Souls is not it. It's the best game on it, but killer app it is not because Demon Souls is definitely a a a group of players, not the whole brand of PlayStation Five players. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. I don't. There's no killer apps. Um, and when I think about oh, Ratchet and Clank comes up, maybe I don't know. Ratchet and Clank is never going to do as well as it did before. <laughs> no, it really isn't. They'd have to like reinvent the wheel when it comes to Ratchet and Clank and just make something that's just like. That literally, that actually subverts people's expectations and isn't just, hey, look, it's Ratchet and Clank. What about that female Lombax they made? Isn't that subverting expectations? A woman in a video game as a protagonist? Wow. Holy wow. shit. Um, Have you ever heard of such thing? Next thing you'll tell me that women are people or something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's... But no, it's true. What he's saying is true. That's how people <laughs> act. They're like, how can we change up our franchise? Let's put a woman in it. Okay, that's a start in turn B. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, that is the bare minimum. That is the barest minimum. Also, I don't think, it's sad to say, because it is kind of true. I don't think gender identity and sexuality should be what changes up the video game. I think it should be what changes up our perspective of main characters in video games Mm -hmm. and i think that's great because then you can other people have different avenues to see themselves or someone like them in a video game do the same things as your straight white males would do Mm -hmm. that being said you know you make a character like okay let's say we make let's say we make mario gay what really (laughs) what really changed like I I i knew nintendo just exploded but like Okay, Mario's now gay. Okay, okay. Don't you know, James? Does he hop on regular? Does <laughs> what? Um, Mar- Mar- oh, Mar- Mario's now a gay character. What does this change for Mario jumping on people? You see what I mean? Yep. Now this can change up the narrative. This can change up how Mario looks. This can change. Well, you know, Princess Peach is out of there. Um, like, you know, like it's, it's just, she's just his BFF. Now. Right? They're just friends. He's actually after Bowser. Um, but like, you know, <laughs> Bowser's like this got really awkward. This got really strange. Um, but like, um, it's like I didn't know. I didn't know you were this with. I, I didn't know <laughs> I was, Bowser's like I, I I accept you but I still want to kill you <laughs> like, um, but like in, Bowser's like I'm flattered but, uh, I'm, but but I'm not interested I'm sorry exactly and so <laughs> um, interesting topic that we've gotten into on Prime Month but like I, I I do think about that because like Dustin's joke is true like they, it really is like also to be 100% clear I'm being highly sarcastic with that comment um but uh but yeah because oh yeah it's like yeah. people in game development sometimes sort of act like 
that that women are some sort of women protagonists or some sort of like exotic thing is though yeah. like half the population isn't women it's, and so it should not be a rare thing it would be about you think reasonably it would be about half the games and i think no i want my assassin's creed protagonist to be just a man and you can only play the female <laughs> to do the exact same mission so nothing different and i thought and actually that's what i think i thought about while i was looking at this um the video game that i just mentioned um um batara batara Batora, sorry, oh my goodness, Lost Haven. Um, I noticed that it's all the characters I saw were females, or at least presented as females in the game. And I I didn't feel it pandered to anybody because she was a badass character, but she felt like a character. She felt like a character first. And then my brain was like, and I noticed when my brain clicked it, I was like, ah, this is a female protagonist. Because all I was looking at was her freaking badass sun sword and her cutting up people and then her friend opening up a warp hole or whatever. And I was like, this is this is cool shit. And these developers clearly wanted to make female protagonists, but they still make characters and they still make good gameplay around. I, I assume the gameplay is good. It looked pretty good to me. Um, and I think that's the separation importance um both of these are important i i like dustin said i hope no one's misunderstanding us saying like oh putting lgbt characters or female protagonists is just dumb come on people i love clementine that's my daughter um but like um (laughs) (laughs) um doing this is not changing the gaming scape and i think a lot of straight male game developers who just want the money do that as a way to cash in on it as opposed to um people who are doing it for well for like i can't say whether or not the last of us two did those characters in in those areas well in justice i know it has a lot of blind fans so i can't trust them i can't trust my own judgment because i hate the fuck out that franchise um so i can't i can't judge it on that I just can judge it as a shitty game, um, which it is. But like you know, um, but from a narrative perspective and stuff like that, I don't know. Um, I've heard from other people who are transgender who don't think that a transgender character is really well done because their whole character is, I am transgender. Um, but and I can say as a black person, when I see a character whose whole thing is I'm black, that pisses me off. So. I can kind of do some um, proximal. You can you can sympathize there, yes. even if you don't necessarily empathize in the right. same way. Like you have the same experience, but you've had a similar experience. Well, I would say that is empathy. So I would say I would say I empathize. Um, okay. I don't sympathize. I I don't think I ever. I don't think I sympathize with people anymore. I don't know if that's good or bad anymore. Uh, Arnold's <laughs> like, hmm, I think I see this sometimes in League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I, I sympathize with people. Yeah, Dustin said it, not me. <laughs> I, I empathize for people, um, but I think yeah. empathy is better than sympathy anyway. That's my mm. own personal take. But anyway... I guess that's my news portion. That whole discussion we had. Yep. Um, aside, I like how we started this thing. We're like, you're like, I don't have any news. It's like, oh, really? And then Let's we see if we can fix that. <laughs> well, I like these topics. Um, but anyway, um, you gotta say one thing though. Yeah, on the ahead. game that came out. Yeah. Uh, Bio Mutant is 
came out on the twenty oh! fifth. You know, no, I gotta say. Go ahead, Arnold. That's when I first saw the, tra- I don't remember when the first trailer came out for that game, mm-hmm. like two but years like uh-huh. the now obviously the movie trailer is never indicative of like what the game's gonna look like. We all know that, right? Tell, we've tell seen, gamers that we've seen that, but like they still kind of tell you what the game would somewhat look like. When I first saw the trailer for Bob Mutant and what the game looks like now, I don't see, like, the transition from that. Like, I thought Bob Mutant was going to be, like, more realistic looking, but then it became more a big cartoon looking. I just, that kind of... I don't know. I I slightly disagree. It looks about, I think the character models are off a bit. But the the world overall, okay. I'll I'll admit to this. I didn't know they were going. To but I'm use just saying. The, yeah, I'm just saying the tra- the first trailer where it looked like hyper, somewhat realistic. Yes. And this cartoony some world we got like you know they what, don't... you know what throws it off. I think I know what throws. They use comic book onomatopoeias. That also came out of that. That came out of though. Like I didn't even know where that was. How? Yeah, like I see them and I'm like, what's that point of that being in this game? This game is not overly cartoony, but then they use comic book like words popping up on the screen. Um, I will. So yes, Biomutant did come out this week. I guess that is an important thing. Um, For me, Biomutant was like, I never thought this game would be good. But I think over time, I was hopeful that it would be something different for people to enjoy. Um, but no one has liked this game. Um, no one has liked this game. It's got a 68 in Metacritic from reviewers, for critic reviewers, and a 6.7 from uh, just users. Listening to. So I'm hearing that it is decidedly. Mediocre. Like meh. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's just really meh. In all honesty, and it actually, you know how I. This is a. This is the how I usually determine something being meh. If Jim Sterling doesn't like it, like so, I was looking at um Jim Stephanie Sterling. Um, they were playing the game, and they like some weird shit. They like some garbage shit. The aesthetic of that game is very in line with some of their it, tastes. From but, what I can see. but also, like, they like, like, um, what is that game? They like Warriors games. Um, mm-hmm. And they was they were playing that, and they were talking about how they just didn't, they wanted to like it, and they mm-hmm. didn't. And, like, I have very different opinions on some video games from Jim, but overall, I trust their opinion on when they're saying, like, this game, uh, this game doesn't gel well. And, like, I was looking at it and I was like, yeah, like, um, I can see it. I can see what they mean. Um, they were saying that there was something there before and possibly due to COVID or possibly due to changes with management or direction. There is, there's something that's been stripped out of the game. Um, they extracted its soul. Yes, and I can see that. Um, but yeah, Biomutant did come out. If anyone's wanting to play Biomutant, I doubt it, but it is out for you. It's to there. Um, Somebody but, I know talked about it. I didn't look at it at the time. I looked at it just now. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, like it looks I knew, fine. I knew before I knew. 
Yeah, when I I remember when the first trailer came out years ago, and I remember looking at it, I was like, oh, this game will be forgotten. Like, this game will come out and be done. Um, <laughs> and I was right. I just didn't want to be right. Um, yeah. I just looked it happens. at it. But yeah. That, that's sort of the story of James's life. I was right, but I didn't want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how accurate that is. Uh, <laughs> But um, but all right. Um, Another news now: those old people who say older games are Dark Souls games, Ghosts and Goblins, the Ghosts re- and re- Goblins. Resurrection, as it is called. I kind of want to play that. Um, I do too. Honestly. I'm gonna wait for it to go on. I'm stage. gonna watch it. I'll play. I ain't touching Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, it's real. It's real intense. Um, it's a good Switch game, I'm sure, because it's a perfect uh, yes. game for the Switch. I'm very certain that's gonna be. A <laughs> well, I, I say yes and no. Is it a perfect game for the Switch? Because if it's anything like it used to be. Um, don't play it if you're one of those people who throws controllers because you might throw your <laughs> you just, ah, and then the whole system is gone. Um, I, yeah, so Ghosts and Goblins is a, a very classic series. Um, I played a little bit as a kid. Never been a fan um, of the the Naked Man Gets Armor games. You know, they made, what was it called? Maximo for the Maximo. PS2? I was just thinking about Maximo. Yeah. I actually really, I really <laughs> liked the first Maximo. Actually. Yes. Yes. Um, I wanted fun. to play that game a lot. Maximo was clearly like, um, uh, a spiritual like a, successor of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was real big in like the era of like Ratchet and Clank and, yes. and Manoa and, some of that stuff. Yeah, so... Man, that's a game. That's a classic game. Some of y'all... Man... Uh, you play. Only, you play the original Klonoa, by the way? I played a little there. bit of it, and only old 30-something-year-old players talk about this game. Klonoa, are people, yeah. Are people who grow up with older gamers or something like that? Because there's a guy, I um, Liam Triforce, very good YouTuber, young guy, um, probably around um, Arnold's age does videos on a lot of old school games. Clearly he's not old enough to have played these when they came out, but he either he has to have like an older brother, older like like older older sibling, sorry. Um my gender bias. Um older mm-hmm. sibling or older parent or something like that that has given him access to these games. And but like a lot of my other YouTubers who are around me and Dustin's age, they all bring up Klonoa. Everyone brings it's up so Klonoa. Weird. We're all like, we're all like, you guys remember Klonoa? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I remember um, Kirby meets Sonic meets Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, it really <laughs> was. It's a weird game. Is that an all-star battle royale y'all talking about? <laughs> he is. Did Epic is go he? around and say, Nintendo, can I borrow Mario real quick? Yeah. And Microsoft, can I borrow Chief so they can shoot each other? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Um, Sorry, yeah. a little tangent. Yeah, there. I got thrown. I was like, Ghost "What are we talking Ghost about?" Ghosts and goblins. Ghosts and goblins. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Ghosts and goblins is coming out. It's going to be Nintendo hard to use an old expression. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to play, it'll be out soon. Um, but yeah, it actually is out now. I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah it's out. Yeah, it came out to it came on, on the first. Steam and the Switch, right? Yes, I believe so. Yes, yes. And maybe the PlayStation Store, if anybody's still on the PlayStation. It's also on the Microsoft <laughs> Windows Store, but let's be real, who's uh, who's going to be on that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so well, well, Microsoft hopes you will because they they were trying to get you know some some discounts. 
Man, they funny. Best developers, yeah. <laughs> um, but all right. Anyone else got some news they want to share today? Uh, I haven't been in some bit. Not a lot of news. Okay. Um, Dustin, did you have any news? Um, little, little tiny bit of news, maybe. Um, there's some in in the in the weird world of Marvel's really big. So there's a lot of oddball crossover stuff of like trying to appeal to bigger other markets. Um, apparently, there's some like um, ongoing. Uh, Mechy, Mechy kind of, I said that weird, Mecha kind of themed um, Avengers comic kind of aimed sort of to cater to like, you know, anime people and Japanese art audiences, oh, I guess. Mecha? Marvels? It, yeah. Is it just um, Iron Man? No, it's like <laughs> Iron Man and then Iron Man suits for the other mainstay Avengers. Um, what's neat about it, though, I will say this. I think it's kind of a silly concept. What is cool about it is the mecha suits have been designed by the guy who did um, some of the artists that worked on Tiger and Bunny. So that's kind of cool. Oh, okay. So I do like Tiger and Bunny. It's um, it's a guilty pleasure anime that I've been wanting people to look at for years. Um, no. <laughs> it's good! Everyone... I've actually never seen... I don't think I've ever seen you play it in your house. Well, no, Tiger and Bunny is an anime. But I looked at Tiger and Bunny when I was an undergrad in college. So it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger and Bunny is essentially... Okay, you know how everyone's on this big old thing right now about heroes like Invincible and the boys mm-hmm. and like subverting it this does it in a way that doesn't require someone to say fuck someone's head to explode on the street and gratuitous sexual stuff happens or sexual violence happens um tiger and bunny is essentially when superheroes are basically product placements so and it's and it's very it's very weirdly meta and aware and not aware at the same time because there's a superhero who she is advertised, she advertises for Pepsi. Um, mm, but Pepsi, Pepsi clearly would have to be also giving money to this anime. So the anime is still advertising for Pepsi, but making a commentary on the fact that she's com- for, uh, she is, um, she is advertising for Pepsi. It's um, one of those things where the co- corporation does something and they're like not unwittingly like shooting themselves in the foot. Yes. Yes. And it is it is a very good um it's a very good anime. I really like it because um Tiger is a kind of washed up um not washed up necessarily, but like an uh, a down on this luck superhero who mm-hmm. um who kind of went away from it a little bit or doesn't want to do it he does it a very old school way he doesn't want to be an advertisement superhero and uh, bunny is the new young upstart character like a superhero who is fine with all of that um and stuff like that so it is it's an interesting take it's a good anime i'm biased because the voice actor for zanji is the voice of tiger um but it's good. I I really like it. And since they're doing the the armor and stuff, they do pretty good costume designs. Mm-hmm. I am curious though about. I feel like this is made for toys. It, I'm sure it is. I'm 100 certain it is. I mean, they've already got like a high quality like collectible Iron Man from it. So, no. um, you know, yeah. as you expect. 
Yeah. But okay, cool, cool, cool. Also, I just looked up um, screenshots from Tiger and Bunny, and I like how immediately one of them has on like a Bandai suit, and the other one has soft pink. Yes, yes. Um, I was also going to say, adding into the animation news here, um, we haven't mentioned it yet, but it's coming soon. Um, Netflix is doing a Masters of the Universe. Mm, I've heard things, mm. not much things, because it, everybody's still up in the air as to whether what's, it'll what's be that? like. I don't know what Masters of the Universe is. Uh, He Man. He Man. Oh, oh! I'm I, I'm a little so bit. Many memes on it. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know where I live for this. Yeah, because you wonder: Are they going to try to do something like unique, like Shira, or are they going to try to do something more generic? Like... So I've seen screenshots. It's not going to be Shira. I it's, figured it would. It's fun. Yeah. first off, it's being done by Kevin Smith. So um, <laughs> you know what? That actually, I I will approach it with very cautious optimism. Oh yeah, I'm in between. I'm not necessarily going like, oh my god. Because like some of Kevin Smith's stuff is pretty. He's sort of aware enough of of where he is and things to. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of the um the idea of like it could be a pretty good series. I don't know like how how great it will be. But it may be it may be a bio mutant and a solid six and a half. <laughs> right, right. So who knows? Who knows? But like, I think for me, I am. I've never been a huge fan of of Masters of the Universe. I never really loved He Man. Like, loved, loved He Man. It was very hokey. It's actually very meme memeable now. Right. So I think it's it's one of those things that has got a much got a, a second life, not in people rediscovering it and going, oh wow, this was kind of good or really good in cases of some things like you know like the old Batman show. Right. Instead, it's one of those things that people discover and go like, wow, this is great for memes. Right. And I'm more of the idea set that like it could probably go the way the way of the Thundercats remake, mm-hmm. where it's one a of those good really remake. Good, right? No, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. So there's a good remake, and no one watched it, and it got canceled. Um, mm. It was really good. It was like in the vein of like. It had that kind of mature storytelling. It felt like Gargoyles. Not exactly like Gargoyles, but like in that sense, like like Gargoyles would do well now because it's in that same vein as like Voltron and mm-hmm. um, Avatar, Less Airbender, stuff where children can enjoy it, but also adults can enjoy it. Thundercats was kind of in line with that, but they it just didn't no one wanted to watch it because they were like they didn't want a thundercats remake but then everyone mm. throws up in a big old arms and i was like oh my god i don't like shira because everybody's gay and it's like well you had a chance at a, at a, right. at a had, remake that was to your taste right but, but you, you were just like oh it. i don't want that you just just want to be unhappy right and i'm also kind of like was shira good before like, like exactly it's like, like it's the people that like they don't want to remake that's <coughs> what is like taking what was and just like improving on it mm-hmm. but they also don't want one that takes something that wasn't good and changes it up right this like, he-man, you just don't want anything i've seen i think i've seen some pictures and images of it this he-man seems to be more on the it's he-man like like i hope it goes like 
not too excessively so, but I kind of want it's Kevin Smith. I want some Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like I kind of want that, but I also kind of want Kevin Smith to be like, let's, let's that's do something you... kind of ridiculous. That's how you, you know what read I mean? your expectations. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I no, don't no. mind the jokes. I just want He-Man to take that sword <laughs> and stab a motherfucker. Are you trying to make all your, you trying to get all the old cartoons to come back like Samurai Jack? No, I don't want Samurai Jack. Here's the deal with Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack is a classic. It was done well to begin with. I don't need more. I don't want more of Samurai Jack. Um it's kind of like them doing like Powerpuff Girls. They're doing like a live action Powerpuff Girl, which by the way, the pilot yeah. was so bad, they had to redo the pilot. Um, and my fiance read the pilot off to me. And I, we, how, it's how, so how horrible. Was let it? me tell you how bad it was. It was like they integrated all the memes in clickbait cultural talk into like, from 2018 to 2020 into a sentence. Like, the Powerpuff Girls were talking in a way that humans don't talk. It was it was like, what was it? It was, they were saying, um, oh, they were like, Blossom apparently had like a new business venture. And Buttercup was talking with Bubbles about it. And Bubbles was like, oh, yeah, this is... This is, I knew about this because I saw it on her Instagram and her Twitter. Talk about hashtag trying too much. I was like, what? Like, the. Dear Hollywood, stop hiring people that you know. And I'm, I'm clearly. <laughs> like, go find, like, go, like, look just a little bit. And I'm clearly. For people that write well. Like, don't, don't, don't just say, oh, yeah, we'll just, can we give my, my, my cousin a job? Like, what well, do they have any writing experience? Do you have some like work samples? Uh, I think they write some stuff. <laughs> and I'm and I'm clearly paraphrasing. This is not exactly what was in it, but it was bad. And here's the basic thing. Here's the basic thing. This is supposed to be Powerpuff Girls as a live action. It's supposed to be when they're older. I hate to break it to y'all, but the Powerpuff Girls, I do not believe they physically age. No, I don't think they do because they are literally. I- chemicals they're they're chemicals literally there's nothing human actually about them like if you look at how they were created fabricated they are made of sugar spice in everything nice and when by you everything know, honestly nice, to be to be honest they're more like a confection than a, yes than a that's the point they're a cake with crack in it like it, literally he was he literally put sugar spice and then he put like some toys and some lollipops and crap in there like stuffed animals and then chemical and he, then he literally they highlight people they they zoom in on the opening chemical x and they come out the pot radiating they're yes. radiating their bodies they're old school like superheroes that are made from like radiation and chemicals their bodies are two-thirds the size of their heads it's true i just want they they're not they're not humans i don't know what you would categorize them as but they are not humans now i wish they had like not tried to make them like regular looking people and just put people in like mascot style costumes with giant heads 
Well, they technically do that in that one episode where those grown men are masquerading as the Oh, yeah. yes. I love that. <laughs> that such a stupid thing. Because they're like convicts or something, right? They're like yes. working at a jail and they're just like wearing the giant like mascot suits. They're and, like one, oh, they got like hairy legs and everything yes. else. And they like, there's one scene where the convict is kicking the dog in the stomach. And he's like, oh, Bubbles, you're such a joker. <laughs> Um, uh, but that's the point. That's what Pop of Girls is. I love. I love. Was, uh, was that a Gendy Kardashevsky show? I think it was. It was. I think it was animated by him. Yes, but it was written by. I think he was the. I think he was the lead like animator. Was it Lauren like, Faust that wrote it? It may have been. Yes, because she that. she did she did My Little Pony, and that's one of the reasons I got interested in My Little Pony was because Lauren Craig Fa- McCracken was the original. Okay, he was the original writer. Was Lauren Faust a producer or a director? Uh, she was on it, I think. She was on it. I know she was on it. But um, I had Terry Strong working on it. Well, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> best character. Um, but like, yeah. Anyway, point is, is that yeah, I don't know how the He Man one will go. I don't know how these remakes will go. But um, I, I'm hoping like what Dustin was saying, like a little bit on that. Castlevania route with um with some with I'm fine with Kevin Smith putting in jokes. Come on, there's Skeletor in it. Um, I would Man. really employ you all to hire Jim Sterling for Skeletor's voice. Um, that would actually be kind of Jim Sterling. I has think Jim Stephanie best. Sterling would do a great Skeletor impression. They they have the best Skeletor voice. I like I don't know why I like it so. Skeletor much. has the is like has a very like meany voice. Yeah, and Jim, they you don't have to change Skeletor at all. Just get a good point back. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, but okay. Sorry about that, Dustin. You got any more animated news? Um, one last little like uh, side note. There's apparently a lot of new like Nindoroid stuff coming out. Anybody who's a Jujutsu Kaisen fan probably be happy because they're making stuff for that now since it's gotten huge. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some other little random stuff. Um. Um, I think that's about it, though. I think that's all I really had to mention. Speaking of Jujutsu Kaisen, apparently the manga sales exploded after the anime came out. Like, they're up like 550%. Which shows it apparently wasn't that big, I would think, in terms no. of the manga. No, because it's, it's not. It's sort of like it's one of those things big. that they're like, hey, we got the anime now, and people are desperate for like, that's how they want. They, well, yeah. they want more content, is what it is. The yes, anime stops. People are thirsty for shonen fighting content. Like, it's it's fine. It blew up. It's not good, but you know whatever. It's high. Like it's high. you know, get your fixings. Um, but cool, cool. Um, yep. Arnold, what do you got? All right, so uh, <laughs> just some short ones, I guess. Well, let's start off with the Nintendo one, since everyone's gonna be smack talking Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo has successfully uh, won a lawsuit against ROM Universe, and they're set to get two point one. A million, million dollars in damages because uh, ROM Universe basically we're, we're um, using Nintendo trademarks, which is you know a big no no. Mm-hmm. So so we'll well it also was that didn't they decide I think, to I represent think themselves? The yeah, he so he decided to not have any oh lawyers. Oh my god! Whatsoever. Why would you ever do that? 
Unless you are actually a lawyer. Don't do mm-hmm. Why? Like, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Oh, dear Lord. Okay. I am not... I do want to... Hold on. I do want to... Go ahead. Preface this by saying, before people get mad, it is actually a good... Somewhat good thing, though, that this happened because the website itself... Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other sites you can get, like, you know, pirate games. You're not supposed to get, you know. But the problem with this website was that they were selling a, like, premium membership, I believe, or something. Ah, uh, yes. For access to the ROMs, which is, right. like, a big no-no. So you were... Yeah. Go ahead. Because, you know, that's then you selling Nintendo's old products when Nintendo's already, like, saying, don't even do so uh, right like so nintendo ROM was, downloads to begin right. with there's only like a few sites that Nintendo's like okay you have our somewhat okay with this site being up don't do anything else though the thing is is that rom like uh, allowing someone to download a rom is already a no-no by most company standards right. but mm-hmm. usually what they say they say hey yo stop that because you're not making money off of it you are essentially what it indicates to them is that you have gotten a legal copy of some sort, then duplicated that legal copy, and then you're distributing that legal copy for free to other people. They don't want that because they want that money to go to them, but you are not getting paid. So usually, you know, within the law and everything, you know, they just don't try to pursue it further. When you charge a premium, for people to access the games that you have not even paid for, you are now interfering with their money, but also making yourself their competitor. Yes. Yep. So, so then that's a whole big ball game. And I'm assuming Nintendo probably tried to do like a cease and desist early on with, with maybe not trying to go straight to court maybe this is me being generous to nintendo they may not have they may have gone straight they may have just been like oh we see you're making money off our stuff right but even if they went full hog why would you try to go up against nintendo's lawyers and argue yourself nintendo can get out of shit that they actually did with those lawyers honestly any big corporation yes they got it's going to hire best people who who know every little like nuance thing. Literally, they, they know pay. that like the sub 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 clause in some law somehow gives them like immunity. A loophole, yeah. And in that, you don't do. You should have taken someone because I feel that he could have gotten off without having paid two point one million dollars. If he had just gotten a lawyer, maybe he would have had to pay more in damage. I mean, pay really, he shouldn't have been doing that premium well, membership. Well, no, but with. you know, people want their money, you know, and they'll do any dumb thing to get it. Um, I am not going to sit here and tell you not to sell the oceans. What I am going to tell you to do is if you're, if don't charge people for the water. You know, like well, apparently he did no, not take though. the site down last summer, even after repeated DMCA takedown notices. So he was mm. warned. This escalated because he wanted to fight. Claim he did not upload pirated games. 
and ask the court to dismiss <laughs> the case. Bruh. What? Bruh. Bruh. Probably, I suspect that um, he probably tried to say, oh, other people put them up, not me. And I wonder. Like, well, we can probably pull your, 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 uh, your um, records of your uh, <laughs> I wonder, internet use. I wonder if he thought he would be able to um, somehow bolster off the goodwill of gamers who are kind of more on the side of people should be able to surf the seas um, and be like, yeah, you don't want gamers to be mad at you. And it's like, dude, they are not finna back you up. No, they're not. As soon as the cops come, that pirate hat comes off. What do you they, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a pirate. This dude. ain't this what ain't put on my baseball cap. This ain't Marine Ford and fucking One Piece. They're not I'm a banned. One Piece cosplayer. I'm not a pirate. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, there's thirty dollar memberships, thirty dollar a year memberships Christ. to yeah, thirty dollars a year to sub- allow subscribers to download games faster than non subscribers. What? So you literally charge people? How do you charge that for? I don't get it. For time. Just time. It's charged for time. Time! Anyway, here's one. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel bad for this guy so much. also allows users to download movies and books. It sounds like this guy had a chance to get out. It, 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 what do you mean? As soon as he didn't get a lawyer, he had no way out. No, it sounds like Nintendo was like, hey, dog, oh, stop. Yeah. Because Dustin just said last year he continued to put up stuff after they sent the cease and desist Yeah, he left letters. his website up after they told him to cease and desist. Apparently, he see, he he claimed that he, he saw himself as a service provider and not part of the quote-unquote forum himself. What? You, and that he's protected by DMCA safe harbor provisions. Basically, he tried to say, oh, yeah, I just set up the website. I didn't do any of the actual piracy, so I should be fine. People always say that. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know what I mean? It's like, the thing is, it's like, I don't think you would hold up in court if you're like, yeah, I ran out of venue and um, I, I, I didn't deal any drugs there or have right. meetings of, I, of terrorist groups. I just let them happen in my place. I didn't cause the kid to have an overdose on the drugs. I just sold it to them. Like, don't get me I just, wrong. I just said, hey, you want to sell some drugs in my store? You can sell some. Like, there's definitely a lot of things. Like, and like my fiance says something that I think is really wise is that the problem isn't the the seller so much. So it's the it's the demand of the market. There's always going to mm-hmm. be a demand for it. So you have to somehow get rid of that demand or to fix that problem. And I do fully believe in that ideal set. Like you can try to make a war on drugs, but the problem isn't necessarily that there's drug distributors. It's that you're making drugs, one, illegal, and you're also making people have such shitty lives that they're attracted to um, some form of stimulant to help them get through stuff. So, you know, if everyone had well-paying jobs or had good health care or mental health stuff, maybe they wouldn't be doing drugs to help distract them or becoming alcoholics and stuff like that because alcohol is a drug. People need to know this. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> it's just a drug that we tax. And um, like, 
that's the thing when it comes to um, pirating and rom rom <laughs> stuff is that um, you you people are going to want cheaper games, mm-hmm. so stop making your games expensive, or make them better and make them worth the price. You know, and that's why this exists. But it doesn't also also it doesn't at the same time mean that ROM distributors are now like like you're innocent. You know what I mean? Yeah, basically I think he tried to act like like, you know, if somebody uploaded something illegal to YouTube, YouTube there's protections in DMCA that YouTube could say we didn't know they uploaded it. Right. They just used our platform and anybody could upload it. When we knew about it, we took it down. But we can't be held responsible for copyright violation because we did not upload it. Somebody used our platform because it's an open platform. Right. But that's not at all what happened. You know what makes this? I was well, I, if those of y'all at home that heard me snickering in the background. It's because he actually said in an earlier disposition that he had. Um, he testified that the website indicated that there were copies of copyrighted games on it. And earlier, he, he actually admitted to uploading content at the site in a previous dispos- uh, deposition when he, and then tried to argue that he did not in a later deposition. So, Oh my God. Get it's it's sort of like, so as a, as a note, if any of y'all are ever, for some reason in court, please don't go to court for some reason. Um, <laughs> if you say something, in a trial with multiple hearings, it does go on record. There's a literally a person in the corner. There's actually a person <laughs> whose job is to put things on the record you can, so they can be referenced later in the trial. You can visually see them. They're there. They're not even hidden behind like a door. They're like in your face typing. They look at you. They look down. They type. Sometimes they look incredulous at things that are said. Yes. They're like, what? Like, you know, and it's, I I just don't. It's hard to feel upset when this person had multiple chances to get out better than they did, and yes. they just wanted to be greedy. He apparently did shut it down after like talking Nintendo extensively, but it took several several attempts to get him to. <sighs> and it it had been up for like ten years. By the way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ten years. Jesus Christ. Anyway. No. <laughs> um, what else you got, Arnold? Uh, there's a quick one. The Atari VCS, which was a car, uh, you know, that console that wasn't really a console that Atari was trying to sell on uh, Indiegogo's coming out. I just want to bring that up to remind people not to buy that piece of garbage. Okay. Just, <laughs> if, you, if you get tempted by the Atari machine, don't. Mm-hmm. Don't. It don't. It's just a bad idea. If you want As to, we said I'll already, see. there's, you know, there is, the ocean is wide. If you want to, you can, like, you know, I'll send you my Steam list. You can <laughs> buy a game off there for me, and then it'll be just like throwing money away, except it'll be making me happy. So someone wins. Uh, <laughs> but okay, cool, cool, cool. Anything else then, Arnold? Uh, last but not least, Yuji Naka will no longer be working. At Square Enix? Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Because of uh, that really bad game with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that yeah, thing. That thing. I don't even remember what that thing's called. I um, Bayland something? Bayland yeah, I... Wonderworld, which is the game that launched back in March. And apparently it was... Uh... I never even heard of that game, I'm be honest. I so, kept seeing it, yeah, on, I my, kept seeing it on, on my feed, I think, for a while... 
anime news network like took a took some money to like advertise it mm. in between the constant presence of fake grand order in the background on that oh website. no i've seen i've seen this hat character i've never yeah. looked yeah. into it though yeah it looked it looks kind of rayman-esque and so yes. i looked at it briefly and then was like oh it's, yeah no it's it was not that. a good game um so yeah i'm i'm sad that someone is not having work there anymore but mm-hmm. um hopefully the gaming industry will be able to bring him back in to try something new it's not like square themselves haven't pumped out some horse shit that's more expensive than that game i'm talking about final fantasy fucking 15 um anyway um that's a bad you mean 13 no, no 15 13 15. is also horse shit but People retroactively are trying to say it was a good game. It is not. Uh, Why is that? This is an episode theme at some point on how how come sometimes people look back at games and suddenly think they're not that good. I think they want to be contrarians. I think they want to be like, you all were sheeple, and this game was actually good. I think that's it. It's that one for secret knowledge that draws people to conspiracy theories. You know what Uh I mean? And they're all like, if you look at this part that makes the game really good... And I'm like, listen, because I've, I've seen people talk about they've been in defense of it. Like they said, like the the game play was really good. And they're like, people say you could just hold down the button and do it. Yeah, you could. But then eventually in the game, you'd have to learn how to do stuff and do that. I was like, so what you're saying is that the game design is bad because it should incentivize me to learn to play well before I get to the, the wall. Like that's how it builds me up to, to <clears throat> right. the wall. It should be a hill, right? In which I start with a slow incline and can press the button, right? And then I have to press two buttons, and then I have to press three buttons. I'm not a. And pro- then I actually have to combine the buttons. I'm not a big old game designer here. I'm not a pro game designer or anything like that. But I design um, gameplay mechanics in my tabletop video, not video games, tabletop games for my players. And when I do it, I have to build them up to a point. You know, you can't just throw in something or a mechanic for them to do and use out of nowhere so if i can do it you can do it anyway um but yeah so on that note i saw uh, somebody with the the old the running gag of like people googling like logic puzzles for toddlers for their D play oh yeah <laughs> it's um, like w- when you solve the puzzle so easily and then like the dm in the background is now moving up to like logic puzzle logic puzzles for teenagers i will I will toot my own horn. I do it too, but actually what happens, I'll find a puzzle and then I'll just surgically rip out half of it. And yeah, then that's what I figured. I figured you'd like start with one and then it like because develop it so much into something else. It's no longer. I'm, I'm a very egocentric DM and I don't like when my players figure out my puzzles too fast. <laughs> you got to get that balance. You don't Damn. want it to be. What if it just like happens you know just have us in their head like oh i get it oh if it happens you will know it happens you will hear me say as a dm go what the fuck (laughs) i have legit going there's been moments where i'm just like all my plans have gone to shit (laughs) um it's not that moment when like you think you've got this really cool boss and it's going to be really drawn out we'll get to that you're like looking at like the critical hit and you're like We'll get to that. That's I'm, remind me when we get to the topic today. Okay. I'm, we're gonna okay. okay. I got a story for that. Okay, we're going to um, explore that. Later. But, um, but okay, let's jump into our patch notes.
Patch is part of the podcast where we talk about what we've been up to, what we've been looking at, watching, playing. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, yeah, anyone want to start? We can just make it kind of a la carte today. Uh, I'm going to go fast real quick, I guess. I want to make a correction. Uh, last episode, I said I finished um, uh, my new book, but I had wrongly said The Ultimate History of Video Games. That was the previous book I finished. The one I had just finished was, um, hold on, I'm looking it up now. Service Games um, by Sam Peters. That, this like this version was mainly focused on like Sony side of the story during their, uh, not Sony, Sega's side of the story during the console wars. Mm. And now I'm getting into console wars, um, which is very interesting because it's actually more about the people instead of like what actually like took place. It's more about like the um, developers and the the CEOs and stuff and their stories. Okay, so I'm learning all the perspectives, and mm-hmm. then this probably be like my last book on this. Uh, just to educate myself on the uh, old console wars because you know the new ones are just not really here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A- ain't nothing here really. Back yeah, in the days of the console wars. Back yeah. when you actually had to innovate. Um, yeah. Console I, wars. I feel like the console wars can be talked about now and make them sound really more dramatic than they were. Like people in like a show talk about the, the whatever wars. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the wars that happened that like made this expanse. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> the third great, um, third great console, console war. Yeah. I mean, Shonen. I mean, not Shonen. I mean, Ninja War. Um, but yeah. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, aside from that, I finally... I stopped talking about it because I just needed to do it. I beat The Sleeper from um, Darkest Dungeons, which is the crystal... uh, The final crystal DLC boss. It was so not fun. That boss fight was not fun. Mm. Uh, The mechanic was essentially... The boss is just a big-ass crystal. as the first phase and second phase. It's just a big ass crystal, and it has three. It has three turns. Now okay. it doesn't attack, but what it can do is it can summon different color, smaller crystals, uh, blue, red, and green. Mm-hmm. And it has, and it can grow them, and it can grow them up to a point. And when it's big enough, all of them explode, and they either uh. give you a debuff or heal the 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 big ass crystal. And after you play a game of you destroy every single one to the point where there's nothing. Because if there's nothing on the field, then it's the the big crystal's turn. He actually passes on one turn. So he loses a turn, basically. Which, thank God, because I don't think this fucking battle will be beatable. In all honesty. That, yeah, when you first said Sleeper, I thought, oh, so it's like one of those things where you gotta like play your cards right. Because he's mm-hmm. gonna like, wake up and then be like, a strong boss is really hard to beat. And no, so, no, no, I'm not... That, no, that's, it that's sounds the, like... That's just like first phase. It's just like no, it's just crystal. No, no, no. That's that's okay. the first phase. After which, the crystal just turns into a big ass eyeball in the sky. <laughs> of course it does. Or it becomes awakened, because you know Eldritch horror themes in this game. Of course. And now there's basically there's no time limit. Like there's no timer that pops up, but there is basically a finite move set, like time of moves you can do before he just wipes your team because all of his attacks are AOE. They do pretty good damage, and they inflict the dot damage. Mm-hmm. So you just have to. It's like um, what's it called? A, like a damage check. Yeah. Oh That's yeah, yeah. Called? It's yeah. um a gear check. 
So yeah, but, uh, is that or that's what they're called? Gear check. So it, it's it's used. Um, so there's multiple words for it. There's a there's stat checks. There um, gear checks. There. Um, but yeah, like all those things, like in MMOs, it's usually called gear checks and things like MOBAs, they call it like stat checkers. Like basically if your stats are higher than their stats. Okay. That make, okay. That makes sense. Okay. So it's basically a gear check. You have to pump out enough DPS before he wipes out your team. Um, now it was, I don't want to say easy because it still wasn't easy. Um, like Is I told you, there, the no, part? no, no, no. Because you gotta, you gotta basically, your healer cannot do any damage anymore. He just has to heal, or she just has to heal. And you have to pray that whatever team you brought in can pump out enough damage. Now, th- I usually have like one tank, one like damage. I have, and then my two that are always here are my healer, my jester for, sh- uh, for healing, obviously, and the jester for stress management. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring a damage dealer because I couldn't get far no matter what. So I brought, mm-hmm. technically, I brought, a tank that does damage, he just can't aim. He has the sh- the lowest AC in the game. Hmm. Uh, so he misses a lot, but he can do big damage. Okay, I see um, what you mean. Uh, yeah, I was really confused, Frank. Yeah, so like... Uh, so I was thinking he has low AC. He has a lot of health. He basically has a... He just a meat shield, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way... Now, super, now this boss can be kind of easy if you stack up your Jester. I've told James about this. The Jester has like a move where... If he continue does to continue to do damage, he ramps up his finale, and the finale is like the jester's biggest move, where he does like right. he basically does like a big crit uh, damage, but then he's sent all the way in the back line, and he's pretty much like cannon fodder if he if he's still if he's still in the battle because he gets big debuffs. But like that's what uh, insta killed him at the end, which was oh. <laughs> Because you can move him to the front and you can see the percentage of how much he's going to do. So it was like 30 to 65, mm-hmm. but the boss has 200 health. So I'm like, well, I just got to survive and bring him down low enough. But thank God I beat him. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> I was, oh man, I was going to be really upset if I wiped right there. <laughs> Darkest Dungeon seems to keep on giving. Um, but yeah, that's, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. Okay, okay. Um, well, Dustin, you've been up to it. I also have a correction to make because I learned how crafting works in Legends of Runeterra. And it's actually not bad. Um, it makes much more sense now that I understand how it works because um, you can craft cards and the way crafting works is you can make any card at any time. Um, so if you know you need a copy of a card, you make a copy of the card. The thing is, is that you can do it in one of three ways. One is to use riot coins, which are basically like riot points. In League of Legends, they're your premium currency. So you can always just buy your way into the cards you need if you're, you're you know, a whale. Um, you can also use Essence Shards, I think is what they're called. Um, which are like your... your um, what's in-game the term ones? They, they're, in-game currency? Yeah, your in-game currency. The stuff you farm as you just play the game. Um, but you can also use Wild Card. And when you get... Um, when you get rewards, like... You, you get a chest for playing the game. You get regular cards, you know, like maybe I get like three commons and a, a rare or something. But you also sometimes get common, uncommon, rare, or um, ch- epic, which is the purple, or champion, which is orange, because, you know, using the, the, the standard color coding that every RPG seems to use now. Um, champions are orange, and then 
there's all the other rarities beyond that. And when you get those those wild cards, you can just turn those into cards that you need of that rare. Mm. Yeah. Um, of course, champions are really hard to get that way, and so you're more likely to just get champions from packs um, of specific kinds. There's certain packs that drop champions, like guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And or to just you know they want you to of course would like they'd love if if you would you know spend your riot riot coins and mm-hmm. make your champions that way. Um, but yeah, it makes it much more farmable. Um, makes it much more easy to get cards that way because you can just make the cards you need if you play it enough. Like if you just don't have good luck, you can just make what you need. Yeah. Uh, on the more fun side of it, um, I've played around with some more characters and some more some more uh, champions and different deck styles. Uh, I really like Aurelia. It turns out. Um, she's kind of like Azir, except she plays differently because it's Aurelia. Um, she she also just came out, so she's probably very strong. Yeah, she's probably <laughs> over She's probably overtuned. Um, she she, um, <laughs> she uses a mechanic called Blade Dance, which makes one-one blade tokens that appear, attack normally, and can be blocked like any other creature, and then disappear if they don't get blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and her whole deck, if you build an Aurelia theme deck, is like on using her her ability to generate stuff through Blade Dance, and then also, um, like, there's, like, a little trainee character that's, like, a Blade Dancer, too, that summons, like, one, and then there's, like, a better one that summons, like, two. Um, Aurelia gets a card that lets you pay, like, some mana to summon to do Blade Dance, too, like, every time it's your turn to attack. Mm. Um, she also has a really cheesy Aurelia thing that feels very much like Aurelia in the game, which is a zero-cost card when she attacks that lets you swap her with another of your units. And so you can dance around and avoid avoid dying because, oh, somebody targeted your your Aurelia with kill this unit, and you swap it with like your trash unit and kill it instead. Or, oh no, they threw a, a really strong champion in her way, and you just swap it, and so it kills the, lo- the Lobby champion and you keep your Aurelia alive. That's a weird way to integrate her thing in the game, but I yeah, guess her it's little the dash best way. thing. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. the best way because how it works in the game is that Aurelia isn't changing places with her minions. She's mm-hmm. actually when she hits an enemy, she mm-hmm. if she kills it, the attack gets reset, so she can use it right. again. So when you are uh, of the mark with their passive, are their mark with her passive, and so she can dash through enemies. Um, supposedly, it's a little bit how Yasuo can, um, he looks like he can dash anywhere, but he can only dash to enemy units. Mm-hmm. So he can only dash yeah. to one of them. So and it's it only really, resets if you kill the thing, right? For Aurelia, Yasuo. but not Yasuo. Yasuo can only go to a champion or enemy that he hasn't already gone to. Yes, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I that's that I guess that'd be the only way you could integrate mm-hmm. it for her. So like that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's some other oddball champions. I want to play Nautilus because he has a really weird mechanic um called Deep, which um Deep is a status that you enter and a lot of his cards are like sea monsters that get have bonuses for being deep. Mm-hmm. Um what deep is is when you have less than fifteen cards left in your deck. And so Nautilus is all about discarding and drawing cards really quickly to get deep and then to turn him and his sea monsters into these monstrous, like, unstoppable things. Mm, okay. Um, Lissandra is also really fun. Lissandra is a little bit like Nautilus, except she relies on stuff like Frozen Thrall, which is like this giant troll thing mm-hmm. that 
is only one mana to summon, mm-hmm. but it it does it's a landmark. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there. Um, mm-hmm. After eight turns, it turns into a big like eight eight stompy thing because it falls out. Oh okay. okay. And so she relies a lot on stuff like that. She's also got a really ridiculous thing called Watcher, which is you know the thing she's trying to like summon in the lore. Yeah. Um, it's real. It costs more mana than you can possibly get in the game. It costs sixteen. Hmm. But if she summoned four things that cost eight or more, she can summon it for free. And it's dumb. It's like summoning an elder thing because what it does when it attacks is it destroys their deck. Like their deck is gone and they can't draw any more cards. (laughs) But the thing is, so the way you play against Lissandra is you just kill her in like round three and then she can't do it. Okay, I guess. I guess, yeah. 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 She's one of those ones where if you just like fart around and don't actually like play aggressively, she will win. But if you play aggressively, she will probably. I, I guess it it definitely leans in towards the how to play. It's, it, it's, it's like uh, it's like what you call it the green decks in Magic that have yes. to rely on a build on like combos. That's to build what up. it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. that makes. And sense. And there's there's some there's some people that definitely are like her worst nightmare because you're like, oh, I have nothing good. And you are hitting me for like five or six damage every turn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She also relies on freezing stuff to try to buy herself time, but it doesn't work as well as it sounds like it would. Okay. But yeah, it's fun. Uh, different people play differently. Um, Darius is kind of fun. Darius plays exactly like you would think Darius does. He summons big things and is very aggressive and resets your attack. Lets you attack on turns that aren't your turn like that okay ah very bullshit okay yeah yep Mm -hmm. that's that's darius also hitting your nexus directly for five damage because it's darius hitting your nexus for five yeah it's a card you have to get it's like Uh, you know you have to like draw it i was like fucking darius ain't got that move but uh, okay Okay. probably like his hook i guess yeah he does have the hook as a card it stuns stuff okay okay cool 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 but yeah it's been fun um i'm still playing it for right now um, I'm still also not paying them actual money for right now. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. Um, but all right. Um, I guess for me, I finished DuckTales Season 3. Dun, 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 um, dun, dun. Excellent cartoon. Excellent show. Um, s- superb. Um, I-, I love this show. It is. It is clearly designed by people who watched Disney in the 90s. The show show is for people who watched Disney in the 90s. People can say it's for current generation and kids. It's not. Like, don't get me wrong. They can watch it. They can watch it and enjoy it and love it. And it's a good show if you're going in blind. But if you watched Disney shit in the 90s, the amount of little Easter eggs in almost every episode. I mean, almost every. There's an episode where they make the gummy bear juice formula. Mm-hmm. And they, they even say little things. There's The only thing I will say I don't like is something that, that happens in the, the Darkwing Duck span of things. Um, um, there's a weird little change up there. It's not bad to the degree that I was disappointed to it like I hated it it just mm-hmm. felt 
off. It felt right. a little weird. Um, I laughed every episode hard. Um, there's a lot of emotion in the show. There's an actual strong plot. Like, a lot. It's a very strong plot. I feel like once Gravity Falls came out, a lot of Disney shows went to Gravity Falls route. And decided to make very strong, like, narrative plots mm. in their shows. And DuckTales is no, like, um, it's no no different from that. Um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are great characters. Um, love them to death. Um, every character has a good point. I think Donald's the only character that gets shafted throughout the entire series. Mm. But you know that feels on brand for Donald. right. But I actually I get sick of that. I guess yeah, I, kind of I understand. Donald. You want Donald to get something good. I want Donald, time. and it may be because I reflect a lot with Donald. Um, like Donald Duck has changed the spirit animal. Yeah, I feel a lot like Donald half the time, and I really, really, really like his character in this one. Um, there's a moment where there's a point where they like have flashbacks, and you get to see like teenage Donald. And he's like this big Nirvana emo kid fan, and it's hilarious. It's 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 good. It's good. It's a good series that I highly recommend. There's a gargoyle reference near the end um, that I thought was the best ever. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who may want to. It's good. Period. I can't even say. Why? It's it's one of those shows that after I watch it, everything else has been spoiled for me. So, like, I went back and I'm, I'm trying to finish um, um, Star versus the Evil, the for, uh, Forces of Evil, which is a good show. I actually don't dislike Star versus Forces of Evil, but it's a little um, hard to get through right now mm-hmm. because the narrative is kind of broken up. Star is a really different show. It has a lot more energy and, like, lack of attention to things. Um, on some regards, but then there's also a grander narrative there too that they're trying to get through. Um, so it's one of those shows that like puts the plot on hold temporarily to do stuff. Yeah. So every kind of disorienting sometimes every episode of star is broken into two episodes. And so you will have some episodes that, um, have like barely anything to do with something and it's just like a, a one-off fun thing star feels a lot more like steven universe ah. um and Didn't i think they come out around the same time i think steven universe maybe came out a little bit earlier yeah i was thinking maybe they came around around the time steven universe would have been like big yeah and so that was the thing that they were like hmm, well they know. are literally posed against each other in a death battle um yeah that's a, that's I, a sign usually that these things one. Have- I didn't look at it because I haven't finished Star. Uh, okay. And I, and you, I, and you knew they would like spoil the heck out of it. Yeah, because they're going to talk about their powers. And I know Steven gets crazy powers by the end of the show. So I know Star has to get something crazy too. Um, I like Star, the show, a little bit more than Steven because of how Steven derails as a series um, down the line. But like, yeah, so who knows? But... Yeah, DuckTales is great. I haven't really watched or played anything else significantly. I've been getting back onto my Trails of Zero again, which I am enjoying. I just, I was watching DuckTales like nonstop and it just kept me away. 
from Trails, and now I'm you're back. like, I could play Trails, or I could watch another episode. Of right, and it's like, oh, and look there, it's starting. Right, that's the problem. <laughs> it's like that's the problem. It's why I'm very good at not binging all the time. But when I was watching the those pets that I mentioned earlier. It's just more comfortable for me to like watch something than to do anything else. And so it's just like, well, I guess I'll be watching DuckTales. Um, and yeah, so it was just good. Um, I'm trying to think if I did anything else. I don't think so. So let's jump into our key item. Our key item today, actually, I have many things to talk about with our key item today. Um, yes, but our, we do, including the thing that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. our key items for today is to do with your first time with Dungeons & Dragons, our tabletop RPGs. Um, and this is like mostly just your first time when you are a player and like your experience with it, how that was stories relating to that and before we get into any of that i i guess i'll say really fast another thing i did was yesterday i didn't have my DD session that I, I i i'm a dm and um i do DD on the fridays for my little brother and his friends because two of them were last minute telling me that they couldn't make it so their characters will have a surprise. Um, and, um, oh no, I'm, I get very upset for people who don't know is because a lot of DMs, even, even DMs that are giving it only 50%, they're putting in, there's a lot of work involved, um, to being a DM. It is not easy being a DM. If it was, there'd be less players. Um, yeah, I really would. Um, being a DM is being a player. Some systems are worse than others, too. For yeah, the DM yeah. Side. So there's a lot of work involved. And I am a more narrative-focused DM, so there's a lot of story work involved. Um, and so when you get everything prepared, like, I don't know if other DMs do this, but I am doing voice acting practices before the session comes up. Like, I'm doing oh, I'm it, like, sure there uh, are people. Right. I'm like I'm like a few days or a week or so before I bring up this new NPC trying to get their voice right and not really enjoying it like like how I'm doing it and trying to get it perfected and then when you're ready and you're pumped and then your players are like oh today I'm not gonna make it and you're just like oh okay so I'm going to burn you alive um <laughs> respect your DM's time please um a lot of us don't. It's not our day job. And, and because D&D is so freaking popular now, there are DMs that charge people significant amounts of money to run campaigns. So if you have a DM like me that does it for free, you respect our time. Um, so that's all I'll say about that. But what I wanted to say about it was that um, my brother and his friends are getting 
they they're getting what I always like to call the the um, the anxiousness for character creation because they're all asking me can they make um, backup characters are asking me about they're looking into doing different classes after they've seen some of the NPCs I've made that are very mm-hmm. unique and I made a wrestler character the um, the other month and now my brother wants to make a wrestler character. Um, it happens. You see cool stuff or like you're sitting there between sessions and you can't really like play D&D between sessions unlike other things and so you're mm-hmm. like I'm going to look through the handbook again. Yeah. Oh, this thing's really cool. Oh, I want to make this thing. <laughs> perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. My brother wants to we were talking the other day about him going into an artificer class and making a Ratchet and Clank character. <laughs> Um, you know, then, the funny thing is, I laugh, but that's very funny. Oh yeah, and then I told them you I could said, be Iron Man in that class. Oh yeah, he's already he's doing an Iron Man one. Apparently, there's this there's a guy that pops up in my YouTube feed. I never click on his stuff, but my brother has been looking at his stuff, and he like as soon as he mentioned this guy's name, I was like, wait, is this why you want to do the Iron Man thing? He was like, yeah, because this guy takes stuff and makes like more out there character types from classes, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I, mean, I guess it depends how much homebrew you want in it, though. Oh, I, 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 oh, the Iron Man is very much in the yeah. Game. The Iron Man is pretty much in the book. You just it's a very odd choice, but it's there. It's it's just you just reflavor what it is, but it's basically you get a suit of armor that is mm-hmm. magical and basically goes over your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, I was like, oh, you know what you guys should do? I was like, hey, why don't you make a ranger? And have him dip into Artificer so he can use a gun. And then allow him to like go into Druid or maybe Barbarian so he can get like a little bit of a Rage transformation feature. And give him a pet otter. And then I sent him a picture of Jack and Daxter. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. And they were like, they were like, shut up, that's stupid. I was like, you love it. I was like, it was like, it's genius. I was like, why have none of you done this? Um, so yeah, it's just a fun little thing. I I was talking with them and um, it was really funny. One of them were like, "Will my character die?" I was like, "I don't know." You can have oh, like have my robot just shut off mid mission, and then a dragon appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Why is your buddy off? Oh, <laughs> that's a big old lady. We'll take him. Don't worry. But well, I'm part of the crew now. Okay. <laughs> um, but For yeah, no, oh, no, that's what happened to my first character. <laughs> well, okay. Let's actually get into that. Let's get into. I'm gonna let you guys go first. Um, you guys want to talk about your first experience playing D and D? I think I'll, I'll start a little bit, I guess, because I actually, I think, probably in the have had the oldest experience i think you do yeah i think you do um yeah um first dnd game i was in was um when i was in freshman year of college i think um i had some previous experience with tabletop nothing like serious because i had friends in high school that played vampire the masquerade um yeah believe it or not um but um yeah so i have a little i had a little i knew a little bit about it from that a little bit about it from uh, them talking about dnd as well because they branched into dnd from vampire which is kind of a backwards transition compared to a lot of people it, it is different it is different a lot of people start with dnd dnd sort of like baby's first tabletop in some ways because mm-hmm. it's the most well, well it's known. the be- well not just that it's, it's honestly the best designed like yeah, it really is them. in many ways. There, there are some really good ones out there, um, but it's a really solid. There's one. one's the first one with really detailed, like yeah. But, and I would say there's some that have more streamlined rules, but in terms of being a balance between like crunchy rules that are 
pretty well designed. D and D's all up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I uh, played with a friend of mine. Ran a game in Ebron, which is a setting that still exists in modern D and I think there's a book from Five E for Ebron now. Um, it's where the artifacts came from originally. Do you know that? Um, mm. But um, yeah, and so I played a monk. Um, it was like a really short campaign for the most part. Um, monks were not very good. That was 3.5. Um, they were not very good in 3.5. Um, they're not very good in many editions. Poor monks. I love monks, but they're not very good. No, yeah. That's just, <laughs> um, it's just the nature of the monk. Um, there's a really good video on that if anybody's interested at home um, on the nature of um, the development of the monk class. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was a really, it was, it was a fun introduction. We played several times in... Um, I think we played a few times in my dorm room. I know a few times we played in um, a friend's apartment. Um, I, I don't remember a whole lot. I know um, of that campaign because it was, like I said, fairly brief. I do definitely remember a friend of mine's uh, rogue um, having trying to do something epic. And no, actually he wasn't even trying to do something. He got knocked off of a narrow bridge, and the DM tried so hard to save him. <laughs> like he, he gave him like three different attempts to make saving throws, and he failed every single one. Finally, he's just like, "Sorry, dude. Like I cannot come up with any more excuses for how you're gonna save yourself." <laughs> what do you mean? I just you know, a random big bird flies under the bridge. <laughs> Roll to grab his feathers. <laughs> yeah, it was time, literally you know, like, "Hey, don't go. you?" It was literally like, hey, don't you have a grappling hook? It's like, try to use your grappling hook. And he like rolls a one. It's like, oh, fuck. That's so bad. Um, yeah. And then he like rolls. It's like, well, maybe there's a ledge you can grab onto. And he's like, roll to grab the ledge. And it's like, nope. Nope. And so, yeah. Um, but it was fun. Um, I think the, I'll go ahead and say the, the two best early campaigns, actually, do you want me to go ahead with that, or you want to let somebody else talk about it? so their first experience? So let's go. Let's go with everyone's first experience. Then we can yeah, go into we'll start with that. anecdotes and stuff like that. Okay. So um, Arnold, go ahead. Uh, so my first experience with D and D was actually uh, James over here uh, did a one shot for me, my brother. Uh, who else? James was in it. Um, you, you your brother, my brother, um, and then. Brandon's friend, your brother's friend Holloman. I think that was, yeah. or was was my brother in that one? Which which one was this one? Because I've run. A I was playing years. a like a a dwarf paladin or dwarf tank. It's the one where my brother like like shoved uh, his middle finger up in the sky. Oh my God, and then he somehow rolled a twenty. Oh. Shit. Yeah, Dustin. Oh my I, God. I, I don't my even brother made I was like I have ran so many campaigns. I've ran so many Some campaigns. Two times. And I've like legit as you're saying that, I'm legit trying to trace in my brain. Might be Juan. No. Was it? No. I I just okay, okay. I I have people listening. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot ran, of games. I've ran a lot of games, and I've just for Arnold and his friend group, I've ran at least five, um, mm. minimum five. I think four. Now let's four clarify months. here. When you say game, do you mean they didn't last long? Separate campaigns. Okay. So se- no. So they, but they didn't last long. But they were separate our longest, campaigns. 
Our yeah, longest cause... was like I think almost two months. Right. And then everyone just stopped playing. So to to help the viewers at home who may not have viewers, so listeners that, at home who about, may not have uh, who may not have played D and D before, that's about eight games. Uh, we um, well, what the the clarification I was asking for is that like I think there's a little bit of a difference between a game where um, it's an ongoing game that continues for a while, where it's got the same characters and roughly, I'll say roughly the same party because sometimes people like may change characters out, something doesn't work out well for them. Or uh, you may lose a player who's like work schedule changes or they just don't come or whatever it may be and you swap people around. Um, but yeah, that's why I asked James just then if like whether it was so, an ongoing one where it was like the same campaign continuing for several sessions or it was like we start one, it falls through, several months later we try so, again. Okay, okay. So, okay, that may, this may actually have complicated more for the listener. Yeah, yeah, so here's yeah. the deal, here's the deal. Either it's a one-shot people, and that lasted for one or two sessions, or it's a longer campaign, which I would consider a campaign that lasted for a month or more. So right. two sessions, four plus is a campaign. Um, okay. And that's the easiest way to like put it. So then like people won't like get confused. Um, so I've ran campaigns for Arnold. I know I've done at least three campaigns, but right. I've done at least uh, like two sessions. And yeah, go ahead, Arnold. So... And so, like, the first time, um, I think I was going into town, and everyone else somehow ended up in jail. This sounds I, like a pretty... pretty. I don't know what <laughs> happened exactly. I think I'm starting to recall this. And <laughs> then, like, I went to the jail, because, you know, the game was just starting, and then I guess Brandon and Holloman, or whoever it was at the time, uh, just did something dumb. I don't, I don't think Caleb was in jail, actually. I think he was, like, somewhere else. But two people were in jail, and I went to the guardhouse, because, you know... I had to get the plot somewhat moving. I had to get them out somehow to continue the game. And so I'm like, oh, buy their freedom. I've got like some coins in my pocket. The game, the, you know, James, like, oh, look, there's some coin on the floor. Pick it up. Uh, and then like they had to sign their name on like a on a paper. And then Brad's like, I forged my signature. So they don't know my real name. That's not me. Mm. And then I'm just, I'm like, okay, I mean, whatever, you know, just trying, trying to get the game started. And I don't think we even got out of town, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't think so, you did. Okay, go ahead. Dustin. I was going to say, just a little side note, player does something dumb is like water wet for D&D. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this yes. is no offense to players out there who do dumb things, because sometimes it makes games fun. In fact, part of it, sometimes it is what makes it fun. Sometimes... Yeah. If you're the poor DM who has a really great plot, you're sitting there like, okay, how am I going to salvage this? The dumb stuff y'all did. Yeah, so <laughs> I will say um, as like, as a DM, one of the bigger stressors is players do something dumb, how not to overly punish. Um, yes, and it's, I, a, it's a balance. I have gotten it down to a great science. I'll pat myself on the back. I, I will admit, you have from the what you have told me um, between games you've run for Arnold and that group, and games you've run for other groups. Yeah, you would have to 
get that down over time. I let it become <laughs> I let it become a natural thing, and I'll yeah. get in, I'll get into my what I mean by that okay. later because I don't want to detrail from anything. So this is fun. going into my first campaign, hearing about <laughs> Dustin's first uh, campaign, this, this campaign, um, hearing about Dustin's playing, we actually don't have that much of a difference of time span between playing experience. I think Dustin may actually only have me by a few months because yeah. I played near the end of my freshman year in college. Of yeah, so that was probably like. Probably like the next year, I think. Yeah, probably could have been, could have been that. And yeah, because so, I was there for I was I was in college for five years, the double major, so I was probably there for. Yeah, and so like I when I came in, I played my first session. Dustin was there. I was introduced to it through um, my friend, and he and um, me, him, and Dustin all shared similar friends in the same friend group. Mm-hmm. I actually knew a guy. Um, his name was Daniel. I worked with. And he let us know about it. And Daniel is one of Dustin's friends before I knew Dustin. So we all have mutual friends. There's a lot of that that happens, by the way. So if, if that haven't happened to you, that happened to me a lot. And I think it happened to James a lot of like somebody knows somebody. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, like <laughs> you usually know somebody and then they all connect. And so that happened a lot at our campus. Um, there's a whole yes. story about that where I was mm-hmm. two f- really good friends, friend that they referred to. But they referred to me as two different names and they would talk about me and like they're like, man, your friend sounds familiar. And then they I hung out with them one day and they're like, holy shit, are you the same person? I was like, yes. Um, but No, they're actually two of me. It was because split. I had I had a different I had a different name on my Facebook and one person referred to me by my Facebook name while someone else had a class with me and they referred to me by my actual name. So anyway, um, but anyway. Um, so my first D&D campaign was played, um, in the, uh, the kind of sweet dorms of an area. And we were in yeah. like, their like meeting like a, room mm-hmm, and little study room on the side. Yeah. We were in a study room. And so we were playing it and the worst DM I've ever experienced was running. It. Um, and this person I have both personal and, um, D&D problems with, um, as a human being, uh, uh, despise him. but um, and so I didn't know this at the time, and he had not he had not earned James's right. So I didn't know this at the time, and I was like, I you know, dislike. Right. So at the time, I didn't know this person, and so we had started to um, play D anD. D. I had never played D anD. D. before in my life. Um, as a matter of fact, I actually thought negatively of D anD. D. This session did not improve that. Um, I thought negatively. Actually, honestly, can I say I'm really surprised that after that session you were like, "I want to give this another shot," and instead weren't like, "That's terrible." I I'm know. going to say something really deep and troubling for why I continue to play D and D after this, and I will explain why I continue okay. to play D and D. So um, we played D and D, and our DM required. I want everyone to know this. He they required us. To play as halflings. For oh, those of I you who don't story. know what a halfling is, it's a hobbit. It's a yeah, hobbit it's, that it's isn't afraid. Frodo yeah. and Sam and Pippin and Mary. Literally the great. literally the only difference is that in D D and Pathfinder, which is another form of D D, so don't worry about the, the specifics here. Um D D and Pathfinder, halflings are just adventurous. They like to adventure. So think yeah. of Bilbo Baggins Hobbit. As opposed mm-hmm. to the actual group of hobbits who are supposed to be afraid of it. And that's it. So we had to play as halflings. 
Now, can I say something right quick? Yeah, go ahead. A little side note. So if you've played D&D in like recent years, you're probably like, that's not too bad. I mean, halberds aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. This is not the case so in no. the D&D that we played. This Halflings was are reduced in multiple areas, both in strength, movement speed, ability to fight, yada, yada, yada. They were not great at the jobs that you probably want to be good at um, in a D&D game. But this was my first time. I didn't care. I was playing with people. Fine. So they had already made a character sheet for me, essentially. They just kind of gave me, like, I don't know. I think I was, like, a, f- a fighter or something. I don't know. Um, and we were placed in, like, a... a okay. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, <laughs> James every like, every single... Fucking campaign ran by this DM. You were employed by a lumber company. I don't Uh, know what this motherfucker had to do with (laughs) blue collar woodwork, but only midgets can do the finest of jobs for woodcutters. So essentially, we were we were always part of a company of some sort, a lumbering company, and we were helping. Like I guess find areas that their workers could like. For it was. This person liked to make things real life a lot. This is why their yeah, campaign had that sucked. weird like. If you've ever read a crunchy like historical novel where they take a long detour to tell you about like the crops of the area. Yes, like yes. This is what this felt like. Also, by the way, you 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 um, were talking and I missed out my opportunity to make a joke about having having wood for wood here. Oh, and um, and so the guy. So basically, we did that, and we were uh, eventually we came to like a cave entrance or some bullshit. Um, and as you do in D and D, there's cave or or a woods or a, yeah, a wood yeah, yeah. You come to a, anyway. you come to a cave or whatever, and mm-hmm. we we were in there, and we started venturing, and dark mantles attacked us. For those of you who don't know what they are, they're just the alien creatures from the movie Alien, except they live on the ceiling. I'm, I'm not going to do too much. They're squids that latch onto your face. Imagine um, getting attacked by a cross between a squid and an umbrella, and you've basically got a dart. And they latched onto almost all of our faces. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of our faces. So we're already at a disadvantage, and... Um, Yes. The DM puts them all on our faces, so now we're blind and we're taking damage. And it's just turned into a, a mess of us beating the shit out of each other to try to remove the mantles off of our faces because we have to hit them off. We apparently can't pull them off because we're hobbits. We don't have the physical strength to do yeah. it. Yeah, you had to make like a strength check, and a hobbit just has really low strength. Like if you put all your points into strength, you would still be like, okay. And this DM is just sitting there as his sadistic self watching us to just flounder about enjoying himself. Um, so then we get past that. All right. I, I think that's the worst part of the session. I'm like, when are we going to feel heroic? Well, we then fall into a hole. I don't remember what shenanigan got us into a hole, but we fell into a hole and there was a skeletal snake fuck thing that we were fought it was huge and it was made of bones and for those of you who don't understand early D, if something was made of bones you couldn't really cut it very well 
No. Oh. He had a sword or like a spear. Too bad. Right. So there was a lot of that. Tell me I can't whack it with the end of my. You spear. can, but you're gonna. It's gonna suck. It's really. It's really hard to actually connect. Mm-hmm. So back in that time, you would have had like different rules for hitting something with like the dull end of your spear than you mm. would stabbing it, and it would suck because you're not supposed to do that. That's right. really like a last option. Right. And so, like, yeah, there was all that bullshit. So we finally finished the um that that campaign, but during that that game. But during that night, another thing that was for 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 me is that I was picked on a lot um, by not only my friend at the time, but also like the DM and stuff for just not knowing how D and D worked. Like they would be like, "Roll a D twenty," and I would be like. What's that? And they're like, it's the one with the 20 on it. And I was like, you could just point. You could just point and give me the dice and let me roll it. Um, so, and I wanted to bring this up because Dustin was saying he was surprised that I still played D&D afterwards and everything like that. Um, in that group, not including Dustin into this issue, but in that group, some people, that DM being one of them, um really liked picking on me not only for being the new to certain nerd things but i was also the minority in the group Mm -hmm. um Uh. and um i was constantly picked on constantly for my my different creative ideals or what i wanted to kind of interpret or like me saying this rule doesn't make sense why don't we throw this out um are me wanting to play different characters. Um, I was role playing like a, a, a monk at the time. I th- I now wanted him to be player campaign, right? Right, so, right. And I um better system at that point. Better system at that. And the reason I'm going into that one is because a lot of my early D and D and Pathfinder tabletop experiences were actually straight horrible. Um, and my per- as far as feeling like a, a person, not necessarily playing the game. And the reason I played, I continued to play, was because that was the only friend group I had um, on that campus. Um, and, you know, it turned out pretty well. You know, Dustin's here. Like, you know, stuff like that. But I had no other groups of friends. I was a black nerd on a campus in like a country town in Georgia. So I, I, I was a, an anomaly <laughs> um, at the time. I know there's a lot of black nerds now and there was clearly yeah. black nerds then. And at that time though, there was like, nerds in general were I think a little less common. Right. Um, it wasn't actually, I, I would, sorry, what'd you say Arnold? A lot of shaming on um, being a nerd. Yeah, there right. was a lot of nerd shaming. Um, you didn't really want to let people know you were a nerd. I remember having a friend before that who like would be a nerd in private. Right. Like, if it was just you and him, he would be a nerd. Mm-hmm. And then if he was around any of his other friends he wanted to impress, he was suddenly like... Basically, uh, companies had not learned how to completely profit off of us yet. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, I can only imagine that it was even worse for you, James. Yeah, it was a very formative experience. It has stuck with me for all of my life. It probably always will. Um, and the positive side, it gave you an idea of what not to do. I yes. <laughs> so on the positive note of that is that this um, the sessions I had were so bad. 
um, I was determined to be a DM. Um, and it's kind of now early on, I still had my faults as a DM. There was a time where my friend pissed me off so much. Um, he jumped onto a dragon just to spite me. And I just set the dragon on fire. I didn't give a reason. I just said he was on fire and yeah. like, in like I burned and killed his character. Um, <laughs> in that moment, his character was supposed to die anyway. But um, I did. You expedited it. You were yeah, like, expedited it and did it in a very crucially hard like, way. Like free shipping, no problem at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, like and, you thought you were getting, you thought you were going to get this destined to standard. We we Amazon over here. Yeah, and so like you know, like overall though, I was still a really good DM and much better than that guy, and I've only gotten better at that. Yeah, like yeah, that was. It was it was bad. The guy was and probably is a little bit still racist um and so like that really was injected into a lot of um his games yeah there was some weird like like well i want to say something on the monk thing if you don't go ahead no go ahead um uh like the monk so so just clarify on the monk thing it's fine if you're a dm who doesn't want to include certain elements in your setting like for example um maybe you decide you don't like how warlocks work because you feel like warlocks are contrary to your idea of how magic works in your setting as a DM. And so you decide, okay, so warlocks are not a thing here. Don't play a warlock. Um, The problem with this particular DM is he had classes he did not like, like the monk, which Mm -hmm. I think was honestly sort of a, I want to just be blatant here. I think he didn't like it because he was a very Eastern-y. He didn't like the concept of them having like key and he, he, his magic yes. in the friggin' setting. <laughs> yes, um, he's made. And he's so, <laughs> he, but he wouldn't say, "Hey, James, why don't you play something other than a monk?" Because I don't really want them in my setting. And um, sorry, but I just don't want to use them, which I think would be, you know, fair-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, his solution was to let you do it. But try to like nerf it into like oblivion. Not just nerf the character, but also like my character in particular stood out in the group. Like I was, it was like, he was like, yeah, they've never seen like a dark skinned monk before. And I was like, there are orcs in this place. Like there's little people that live under the earth. And dark-skinned humans are new? Like, it's it's very... Okay, so on a, on a flip side, because um, I have... Um, my current group are almost entirely, I believe, um, black teenagers who I run right. a session for. I think one of mm-hmm. them is biracial. And um, one of them, I always joke about her, she's very big into anime and everything like that, and she has a... A, a half elf and her half elf is dark skin and like you know I don't, I don't care it's whatever because half like elves can be dark skin um and what's really funny is that my world is set up in a fantasy world that's loosely based off of our cultures in our world so there are actually regions for where people may be darker skin and lighter skin based off their geology um, ge- um geology and stuff like that and um like we've talked about it and it's really funny because she's a. <laughs> there's one point where we're like, so where's your half elf from? And she was like, my half elf is a beautiful, melanated African American. I was like, 
African American? Where's Africa on my map? And she was like, she was like, wait, what do you mean? And like, we were all making jokes, like, uh, like we kept we kept it up because I don't think she got it until much later. But we were like, I was like, there's a place on here that is the African equivalent. You would say your character's from there, but I was also was like, your character doesn't have to be from there to be dark skin. I was like, you can be from wherever you want. And it was just really funny because she was trying to be, you know, um. Um, racially positive for a character's skin tone and I thought that right. was funny but it was just I died because she was like I'm African American I was like you're an elf <laughs> like, like you're neither African nor American you know like, <laughs> you are none of these things you this, are n- you, this world has none of this none well, her of background is that she warped from a world that had Africa what do you mean but she's an elf but she's an elf um, <laughs> what is this in East Africa? Right. So we um so but but like and on and that's a, a way that I like to add in some of that like positivity if you're gonna joke about something like that, but it was di- completely different for me. Um and I do think kind of coming back to the theme of the episode, I think like your your first time in D D is definitely going to determine how you are as both a player and as a DM. And now my players, like I was making this joke about my brother and all of them making their characters. I feel they feel open enough that they can just make what they want and that there will be consequences for actions that their characters make. But like, there isn't something where I'm like, oh, you can't do that. It just doesn't work in my world or anything like that. The only criteria I've ever had is that your character's class and abilities need to match their backstory. Don't be telling me you multi-class just because you want this ability. Yeah, don't tell me you're a monk. Yeah, they're trying to min-max over here. Come on. <laughs> don't tell me you're like a monk blaggard who was a monk for like, was raised in a monastery and then like fell and became a dark paladin. Yeah, yeah right. Like, like That's a lot of stuff that happened. Like Just so yeah, you can get some movement it, abilities. Just so you can get some armor class options and things like that. It's like, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, and I agree. Like, as having had some of those experiences with you, um, where we had a, a DM who was like very um, negative in terms of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything. Um, I'm just <laughs> I was specifically negative in everything, but it's specifically like very real in terms of like, I have a vision for this. Um, yes, I, I have tried when I have ran things to do things a little bit to always approach it from the angle of here is what I would like to do, but is this going to be something that my players would like? And if not, how can we negotiate something that lets them do what they want to have fun, but also lets me have some of what I want as a DM, right? Rather than just saying this is how it works. Um, I used that example earlier of like classes and I actually tried to off honestly very rarely do I want to do that um, if I do something like that I will often like try to I, not that I run games super often but if I do I'll be like oh so if you want the mechanics from that class let's brainstorm a little bit and we'll figure out how that class would work and still fit in the setting mm. uh, another good you know example. that space one you did though was pretty good the yeah sp- apparently the, the space one the yes. space jenga worked well, the one that Dustin Dustin ran one for us not too long ago where we used Jenga and it was a tabletop where we did in space. It was very good um, for how it worked. Um, yes. 
So for y'all wondering, like, how do you use Jenga for tabletop? Um, it's really meant for, like, horror and suspense things, and you make people pull from a Jenga tower whenever they do something challenging, and depending on how bad it is, may require a lot of Jenga. Yes. Um, if it falls, you know, something is ter- terrible is going to happen, and you will probably die. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the last three I pulled should have made that thing fall down. It was it yeah, was. But I made one. it work. I it made was- it work. I really enjoyed that one. And also kind of going back to Dustin's point earlier was that um, so a good a good example of adding a limitation that's not limiting your players is that I ran a campaign for my fiance, um, our friend um, Sheena, who listens to the podcast a lot. And I think Arnold was part of this um, or maybe someone else was. But. I ran a campaign where the world I created had had a very big war. And right. in that war, mages were basically the equivalent of nuclear weapons. So you didn't have a mage. There were there were mages, but like essentially there were some mages that were amplified and used as like they would just drop them into a war zone and they would just destroy a bunch of people. She and called so, them dogs of the military waiting up. <laughs> Might as well have been. And so, but I can, see, I can feel some inspiration. Here. There's some definitely inspiration, but I think what differs is that afterwards, so after what happened is that mages were essentially hunted. They were not So revered. instead of like the, the angle of they're like battered but they're still like heroes basically mm-hmm. and they're well respected instead it was the opposite effect. society like, turned against them because they were like they were basically they were um inhumane tools of war and so there was literally one city that was composed of mages and magic users that was safe for mages but anywhere else if you saw where people saw using magic there's an odd chance that people will persecute you or attack you or just ridicule you and so because of that um the the i had two players actually that wanted to be magic users and so that was fine. And it was just like, well, here are the things that happens. And it just, it became an interesting way of role playing and actually fighting because they had to think of clever ways or reasons for why they would be using their magic outside of areas that were um, not crowded. So in like city areas and stuff like that. And I think that's a creative way to add a limit without actually making your characters feel like they can't role play what they want to do because it's in the setting and it has nothing to do with like how your character looks. Um, and I feel like an important function that I've learned as a DM over time is to give your players that liberty and to make their first time playing a game to be memorable and enjoyable. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a sick, sick man when it comes to being a DM. I enjoy fucking with my players. But I tell every player this. I have never put them in a situation where they can't get out. I've never put them in a situation where they cannot gain an advantage with some creative thought. And I've always rewarded the craziness with an apt reward. Like, it's never been an unfair balance. Like... Like, if I make you for several ch- sessions have to chase this horrible thing and get halfway killed every single battle and everything like that, you're probably going to come out with a great item. Or I'm probably going to, like, when you buy stuff, I'll probably reduce the price significantly. So, or something like that. Um, 
something that it feels like all this was worth it because we yes. got a reward out of it. That you feel more powerful and stuff down the line. Um, there was one time where I made um, I made a donkey that was indestructible. Um, I gave them a magical donkey, and um, it was indestructible. <laughs> and the donkey like really liked them, but it was kind of it was kind of a dumb donkey. It wasn't like really too too bright, and they would use the donkey for all sorts of fucking situations to their advantage. <laughs> And they named the donkey James. Um, <laughs> they were like, we're going to name donkey James. And it was like, come here, James. And like the donkey would. <laughs> I had to replay. I had to role play a stupid donkey. So like I had to. I was like. Like you like walk. And like they were like. They were like James. Stand behind the dragon. And I was like, why are they putting James on this dragon? They're like, we now have advantage on the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, and it was in the rules. And I was like, and James was indestructible. So he couldn't die. They just sat in the dragon with like, you know, the dragon would turn to attack and it wouldn't matter. And the reason I bring this up is because um, Dustin earlier was talking about like a DM laying out this big, huge boss and the players like get a crit on it. I once had a dragon. I looked this dragon up. I was really impressed by this dragon. It was an earth fire dragon. It was a magma dragon. You don't get that all the time. And it was huge and it had all these powerful attacks and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And this was a. And point. James is a dragon fan anyway. I yeah. love I dragons. I love fucking dragons. And um, so we had this dragon. They were like level 13, 14. And these fucks. Uh, like this dragon could talk. I had built up this battle. They were in a volcano. He was like, "All right, so challenge done." This was after they had all beaten like some demigods at this point, and they all had gotten their weapons and stuff like this. And the <laughs> I'll never forget this. They did something that knocked the dragon prone. <laughs> Every preceding round, they figured a way to knock him prone before he could get up. So it was essentially, in my brain, this is what it, it, it looked like. This is a dragon, remember? This is like a massive, like, building-sized dragon. All I imagine was that they tripped the dragon, flipped him on his back like a turtle, and proceeded to beat him in the stomach with, like, big weapons the entire it's time. It's like a friggin' piñata over here. Yeah, just beating the shit it's out of my brain. Not the piñata that's, like, dangling there. This is, like, the one that's been knocked out of the... Uh... Knocked out out of the out of the tree. Yeah, like it's just getting beaten, just welling and ripping the piñata up and ripping out the candy, and uh, and that's what it felt like. And I remember distinctively looking at them after the the the, the three round battle um, with the dragon. I remember looking at them going like, "I hate all of you," but you just <laughs> murdered my dragon for no reason. They were like, "They're like, you should make better dragons." <laughs> I didn't wow. know you could knock dragons prone. How's that possible? So you can knock them prone. Um, at least the dragon I used. And also remember, this was... I I put fun above rules any day of the week. Um, and so... That huh? wasn't probably fun for the dragon. Well, no. <laughs> but in, in, their, in their defense, I have brutalized them multiple times prior to that dragon. So it was fun with it because that's what it feels like. Yes, it was like and it was also just my way of being like they can see how much stronger they are. 
um, in comparison. Sorry. It's why I like to brutalize people early because by the time you get later on, the battles get more epic and when you can just do things that are just much more capable of your character. Um, I always like to start off a session with some intensity. Um, I've started sessions off where people are, they wake up tied um, into the back of a moving caravan and they don't remember how they got there. Um, I've started off sessions with, I started off sessions really simple and it turned out like one of my most recent sessions, I started off with them being in a tavern. If you know me, you know I hate taverns. I hate taverns. They're stereotypical. They're boring. They're bland. Um, but I well, started. Uh-huh. I think I'm trying. To, I think I remember that game where I think I played with uh, Paula Chena. That was the Eric Croca. Yes. I had a because there was a bar fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it turned to a bar fight, and that was probably one of the most generic openings I tried to do. Was that one? But the other time I made a bar, um, they were in a bar scene. It was an entire hallucination. Like they were all. I was, like, I was thinking as you were explaining something. Like, What's yeah, they were. There was a. Uh, there was a hallucination. Um, actually, it was slightly built off of the same bar scene from um, what Arnold is referring to, hmm. because that was one where you guys woke up and um, it wasn't a bar fight. Um, you guys woke up into a murder scene. Um, I think I remember you talking about that. Yes. So I took a little bit from both, but I changed it up for the new group a little bit, how it works. And so, like, yeah, I just, I think what I'm trying to get at here is, like, allowing players to restructure and understand their agency and ability in D&D um, to make their first time important, because I think D&D and Tabletop is great. Um, I thoroughly enjoy being a DM. It's a lot more work than being a player. Um, I can say I like being a DM more than being a player. Um, one, because I get to think of ways to fuck with people, but also, um, I've now been a DM so long, it's hard for me not to be a DM when I'm playing. Um, people are like, Jack, I'm running the game. Right. Well, it's, not, it's not even that. It's not like I it outwardly comes out. But, yeah, but you're like, oh, can, can we do... Like, you're kind of like accidentally sort of guiding things a certain way like you would if you were a DM. Well, yeah, I guess so. I do it among the other players and never with right. the DM. So I always become this impromptu leader. Um, right. Like, there was one session some, where my... Some parties need that, though. Like, let me just interject there. Some okay. people need somebody to be like... Hey guys, we're doing this because otherwise they're like, well, I don't know. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but sometimes I think I want to not be the leader. It yeah, just happens. That's fair. Like during your game um, that you ran for us, I was actively in my brain going, "You don't have to do anything, James. Just, just, just yeah, let you them suffer. Like the... Just let them suffer." Uh, I was the medic, yeah, but I ended up taking a leadership role by the end of the game. <laughs> you started out. Be <laughs> um, it was it was just really funny. You thought you were going to be Doctor McCoy, but you wound up Captain Kirk. Yes, I was like, why am I in this position? Here? Um, but yeah, like, what do you guys do? You guys have anything to say? Like, as far as the first player's experience, if what was important, like, what do you think players should have, stuff like that? Um, I will say honestly, um, I had a fairly good campaign without that person we talked about. That was a bad DM with a different DM. He was a player, um, which I was 
somewhat more taller. <laughs> did he play um, a Hobbit? No, he did not play a Hobbit. Of, of course, course you not. Know. No, when he no, plays, no, he, was, he, he plays, plays, all he plays a rules. human fighter. There, I don't think I've ever seen. Him well, play you, sh- you know what you should have done is that. Oh, look, there's a walking frog that goes towards you and says, "Alakazam, you're a half elf. You're a halfling." Oh, oh you're no, you're still he, a fighter though. I distinctively remember him, um, him in my campaign because he played in my first campaign. He made a Goliath fighter and he did shit that he would have murdered you for. There was one yeah. time in particular. And why is that? <laughs> because I'm just having this moment of like, why is it the people are like they want to be the harsh DM and then when they're a player, they don't they don't treat you they like, like control. That's yeah, it. I guess they so. like to have control and exert power over something because there was a there was a part where I creepily told them I was like, oh, there's something inside the cave and it makes a noise and you don't know what it is. And he immediately rolled a D20 to tackle it. Just tackle it. And like it was funny in the moment, but when you think about it down in the in the like the concept of it, as a person who threw dark mantles at people, you know, why would you then wouldn't you just be the opposite and not do that? But anyway, yeah. Should have been like you 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 rush to tackle it and you fall in a hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, it was just an old tapestry on the wall hiding a hole. <laughs> yeah. Friggin' Wally Coyote stuff. It just looks like it's a painted hole, but it's actually a hole. It just spikes at the bottom. But yeah. <laughs> so a um, little little side note too. Um, I, I do want to note back from that first experience of James's. Um, it's bad when your DM is causing such misery for you that the pl- when there's the player in the group who is the um, more experienced player oh, know who knows how to break about. a system. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yes, he is ruining the DM's day. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed this guy. I know who Dustin's talking about. I never really knew him personally much, but whenever we were in a session with this guy, I was like, ha, he's going to fuck up his campaign so hard. Like, <laughs> was it, and, and with the, the lance? Yes, the, yes. One, the lance and, and, and the wolf. And the, so everybody else is a hobbit, and everybody else was like, you know, we had terrible stats and couldn't do anything. Because um, spellcasting was terrible, and you didn't want to start new pe- people with spell spellcasting at that time. Um, and this guy was like, "I'm gonna be a ranger." I'm like, "Okay." And it's like, "I'm gonna have a riding dog," and it's like, "Okay." <laughs> and I have a lance, and none of us realized at the time that what he was doing was he didn't have to have strength because mm-hmm. lances do three times damage if you're charging something. And he had a fucking <laughs> dog, so he and basically. He <laughs> he, he basically lanced everything like every single time and it was ridiculous yes the rest of us were struggling like trying to remove the dark mantle and then it's like his turn comes up and he's like I charged the dark mantle with my lance yes. <laughs> and we're like roll damage and he just keeps rolling damage and it it's like the dark mantle disintegrates yeah <laughs> So it's definitely good when you have a player that can back up the other players in a group yes. and stuff yeah. like this. It also helped that this guy happened to be um, also like a, a straight white male similar to the DM, but he was bigger than the DM. So yes. <laughs> it, the, the physical like pressure of pissing this guy off was better at the time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Arnold, do you have anything you want to add into it? Uh, for players who are just turning in, uh, 
this might sound a bit boring, but do try to read up on a bit so you can kind of understand um, what you're doing so the DM doesn't have to pause <laughs> mid-game to explain a lot. That happened a lot in our game. And to be fair, our first one shot, you know, we didn't know anything. So, of course, James had to explain uh, a fuck ton of stuff to us. But, but what um, Arnold is saying is, like, his brother down the line and even some of my other players and some of my players right now, they just don't read their sheets. They just don't. They're like, oh, I can do that? We had one player. This was hilarious to me. We had one player. He would play with us. He's in our campaign right now. He's a great player. I like him a lot. Um, but he doesn't read his sheet. He's a barbarian. And for almost all of our battles, until he was absent from a session and my brother was running his character, he had never raged. Which Damn. is the quintessential <laughs> way. Call mass berserker. And like his berserker, <laughs> his his barbarian would never rage. Thank you, And his um my brother played his character for one session and I was so upset at the damage output. <laughs> I was like, why are you killing my things? <laughs> um, and we just, there was like legit moments where I was just like, he he's dead. Stupid barbarian rage, he killed my monster. Um, and- this, this session started and it was like freaking Dragon Ball over here. The, your, your brother is just like, hold on, I'm going to take off his character's weighted training. <laughs> Yes. So it was um, it was really interesting. But yeah, kind of like what Arnold is saying is do be respectful of your DM and his time and his ability. I always tell my players to always ask me questions before the session. They never they never take this advice. Um, well, I mean, because they don't know what they have to ask well, until no, later on, which is great. But then sometimes I'm like, OK, this is like session 12. Have you not <laughs> looked like just like, you know, yeah. ask yeah. and look. Um on this note, too, um, something else that I really want to say: if you if you play a game you've not played a game before, if you're playing a game, Ryan, please try to pay attention. Oh my God! Yeah, please pay attention to what's happening in the games. With me, it is a crucial, crucial thing. I will let you forget. I will legit sit there and watch your character flounder for ten minutes. Because you didn't pay attention at one point in the session, and it's a different. It's there's a difference between like, you know, you get kind of distracted, your yeah. phone goes off, or yeah. like you're a little ADHD like me, and you're kind of zoning out just a little yeah. bit. And you oh, have to I'm... ask again. It's a different thing when like every single time something comes up, we everybody has to remind you what's going. On. I, yeah, I will admit, um, was really funny. Most of my players either have ADD or ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> my for the last for the last five years of me running a camp running campaigns um and i've ran campaigns professionally people um i've ran multiple i've ran once ran a campaign for like eight people once good lord um yeah i did not envy james for that one. um and it is um essentially like yeah it gets it gets pretty like intense and your dm can only keep up with so much themselves so it's helpful for you to keep up for things both for yourself and your dm but in like kind of like what dustin said so for instance one thing that was an example i had a character who lost his arm in like the third session he didn't have an arm for about mm, eight sessions down the world down the line maybe 10 sessions down the line then he got like an arm in his 11th or 12th session 
and I let everyone know. I told him that he got it. And then, um, like, about the 14th session before it happened, he was like, yo, can I get, like, an, uh, an uh, a weapon to attach to my character's stump, like this character in this anime I like? And I was like, you sure can when you have a stump again. And he was like, what? And he was I was like, you have an arm, dude. Did you not realize this? And he was like, when did this happen? And then one of the players started dying. He's like, dude, he told you like four times that you got an arm on your character. Um, And so it's it's these kinds of things where you have to pay attention um, for yourself, too. Um, If you're a player, there's a good balance, I think, too, between being helpful to other players, especially new people, and not being overbearing. Yes. And sometimes it helps when somebody's like, hey, did you know you could do this? And you're like, no, I didn't know that. Thanks. Versus like, hey, you should do this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, And as as DMs, like your first-time DM or your long-term DM, like be open to your character's stupidity and let them enjoy themselves being a little crazy. They will be a little stupid. They will. Don't get so upset when they eventually, and they will, derail something that you want to do. They don't know what you're doing on the other end. They don't know what you're manipulating them with. My characters think they're in control still. It's adorable. <laughs> um, but, like, you know. Just as planned. And, and I've told my players, their first 12 sessions, 12, 12 14 sessions. I, don't, I actually don't know how many sessions I've done with them. It's been a while. I started oh, wow. last year. And... Um, Probably I, on like twenty, probably yeah, probably way more than I'm I think. Because you, I think you started right around the same time mine on Saturday started, and I think we're on like twenty six. Okay, then yeah, I'm probably our, on, our, our, ours has helpful because it's mostly text based. Has helpful episode numbers. I okay, get you, get you, get you. Um, I would say yeah, they are they're deep in, and I'm like okay, guys. I scared them the other day. I was like okay, guys. Your your um the prologue is done. And they're like the prologue, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you yeah, thought, you thought you were approaching the end. I was like, yeah, dog. I was like, that was all to introduce the main players, some of the stuff that's happening. Now the plot's gonna happen, and that means all the 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 the, the easy mode is off. It's now hard mode, and we're gonna get into it. So, like, yeah, I am definitely a proponent of DMs being more open and sharing and being more friendly to their players. I'm for players being more friendly and open to their DMs. It's a give and take practice. And for your first time, you know, as a player, don't overcomplicate things, but also be a bit creative. Don't feel that you need to do all these things and be never look at a class and think you have to play it exactly that way. You know, or, or that you can't flavor text something, if that makes sense. So, remember, too, it's a collaborative game. And if you yes. have cool ideas, pitch them to your DM. Yes. As a matter of fact, I tell a lot of people when they were first time were playing D- D&D, I tell them this, and very few people listen to me. I don't know why they don't listen to my good advice. I tell them not to look at any of the classes. Just think about what you want to do. Don't even look at the class. Just like if you got a fantasy character in your mind that you want to do, Think of that first, then look to see if there's a class that fits it. And if not, ask your DM. You know, um, because I think classes never know. I think because as soon as people look at the classes, it messes up their imagination. It limits mm-hmm. them. It, it automatically puts you in boxes. Um, unless you're like an older player like we all are. 
So, like, yeah. In which case, you like you you turn into like friggin' Calvin, where you want to take the box, and see what you can like turn it into. Yeah, I I look at the box. I'll be honest with everyone. When I'm a player, or if I'm a DM, I look at the box and I just kick it. I'm like, I don't want this. I get a I look at the box and then I go get a cup. And I'm like, I'm gonna do something with the cup. James takes the scissors and turns the box into something else. He's like that friggin' Nintendo Labo over here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's our episode on first times in D and D. Very nice conversation. I enjoyed this. Very, yeah, very so chill. I feel bad for like interrupting James a little bit here. I feel like uh, I did. Oh, it's all right. I figured you'd get excited. Um, I did get excited. Like, I remember <laughs> that terrible campaign. And and as I said, I was just like, man, I'm surprised James stuck with this because that was a terrible campaign. It was a miserable. Told me this story either. It was that thing. It was that. It was though. It sounds like it was that thing that was so bad. You're like. I'm going to make games a thousand times better than this one. And I do, and I try I not to bring it up. I try not to bring it up because um, it, I don't want people to think I'm whining about it. That's a whole other cultural it, it issue. Within your your yeah, no, no. rights. I get it. And, it. and I'm very sensitive now to um, looking at anything that has to do with... Um, like commercialized ways of looking at D and D. Um, based off that, for instance, um, and I'll be real quick about that. There's a podcast that I was introduced to by a friend of mine, my friend Sarah, who listens to podcasts. She introduced me to Drunks and Dragons, an actually very popular podcast on D and D, and it started off great. Fully honest, full honest, I was laughing. Um, <laughs> the characters were cool. The DM seemed pretty good too, but there is a player in there who is a little bit standoffish from the group. I don't think he, like, does and hangs out with them outside of the D&D as much as the others do. Like, two of the players are married, and then the one that's married is the co-producer of the, the podcast with a DM. Mm. And there's a point in the game where they all kind of just bully the guy. And they do it for multiple sessions. It wasn't like a one uncomfortable session and we moved on. It built up. And um, I know my friend, she can kind of keep going through it and like kind of ignore it or forget about it and not worry about it. But I'm very sensitive to things like this. And for me, I I was so upset I haven't listened to them again. Uh, yeah. And I know apparently it's gotten better, like as far as not gotten better. I know it has kept going, but I wonder how much of it is that people are fine with their attitudes or how much people are just wanting to listen to someone play D&D. Um, um, Rustage is a YouTube anime Europe rapper. <laughs> no, that's very weird. He runs um, a D&D One Piece D&D campaign. You can look at them play it on YouTube. It's actually pretty fun. He's he's pretty good. I'll admit. Um, his players are weird, <laughs> but it's fine. It's like a bunch of young guys playing D&D. It's fun to watch them play. Um, I don't like watching too many people play D&D. I definitely don't like it when it's more like um, uh, adults who are benefiting from it from a critical role. Um, but like, um, you so know, like it's something that's like produced. Right. I don't like, like that. Hey, oh, I'm going to play a part of a DM. Right. Sort of like people playing it. And I, know, like having fun with it. I know everyone loves Matt Mercer. But like, you know, I, I don't care. Um, and I just like the authenticity of people playing it. Nothing against that sounds horrible. Like I'm like mad at Matt Mercer or whatever, make your money. But like, 
I the atmosphere that's produced by and even Matt Mercer has talked about it how it's created toxic D&D environments because people keep trying to replicate what he's doing and, the and he players, has a budget he has a professional budget he has a budget people like he they had their last episode thank god they had the very last grand finale episode lasted seven hours seven hours that's a day of work it came out on Thursday and they expected people to watch it. That's the kind of money they have to do it. DMs, average DMs, adult DMs don't have that. And nothing against the voice actors of Matt Mercer for doing what they did, but set your expectations. Um, that's it though. That's a good episode. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm thinking maybe next week we go into some anime tournaments. Um, yeah, got some can... more fights to settle. Yes, got some more fights to settle and whatnot. Maybe the grand finale will be in Christmas. <laughs> like that sounds about that sounds like a good like expectation for like <laughs> because we're like we're not getting uh, the edits and how they're going and just time and stuff getting all bounced around. Um, but yeah, so anyway, Christmas present for us is which is the best anime. Fight. Which is the best anime fight. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that knowledge that we know you did not have without us. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm your host, James, and as always, I am joined by Justin and Arnold. And thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Bye bye. See ya. Later. Thank you for playing. <laughs>